Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder episode. And I've decided we're going to do this new thing where I'm going to read you the blurb of the thing that we're talking about today. Have you guys heard of the Inheritance Games? I know that you have because you guys have been requesting it for me nonstop for this series. So this is how it starts. She came from nothing. Avery has a plan. Keep her head down. Work hard. She's going to have a future. They had everything. She's talking about a billionaire family. Now she's got to move into the mansion that she's inherited. So basically, a billionaire dies and randomly, she's never met this man, leaves her the entire inheritance. A billionaire gave her everything? Everything. Is that normal? With the only caveat that she has to move into the billionaire's mansion with all of his family members who want to kill her now and stay there for a year. And she has no idea why he left her everything. Does she know him? He's, she's never met him. Oh. It's so fascinating, right? It's a trap. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what? You guys stop. Here's the thing. If you told me a year ago that I would be sucked into these YA thrillers, I would not have believed you in a million years. I love a good YA book, don't get me wrong, but I just find that it's easier to put down. Like, dinner's ready, I'm gonna put the book down. But when I'm talking about, like, adult thrillers, I can't put it down. I gotta turn the next page. I gotta eat and I gotta listen. I gotta do all of these at once. But this was highly requested and I'm so glad that I gave it a try. It's the Inheritance Games Trilogy by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. And Jennifer... She did the damn thing. Okay, the book is so, so good. I think I devoured it and only got up to eat and use the restroom. I was glued to this thing. But this is the first of her trilogy of the Inheritance Games, and we're not going to cover the other two, so please go give it a read or a listen. I'm going to link it all below, and let's go through the whole trilogy together because I've already downloaded it on Audible and Kindle. I'm so excited. So with that being said, Avery Grahams. Oh, shoot. I gotta cook. I, I always forget the baking part of this. I saw this thing on TikTok where you get two puff pastries and sandwich Nutella in between and turn it into a Christmas tree. I'm gonna put a picture right here and that's what I'm attempting. There's really no instructions to this. It's really how your heart feels. So with that being said, Avery Kylie Grams. She's the main character, and she's someone that played a lot of games, you know? But not in the way that you're thinking. She's not playing Minecraft. She's not even playing games with boys. Like, she's not even playing mind games. She just played games to stay alive and not be depressed, you know? Her mom taught her how to play before she passed away. When she was young, everything was a game to Avery. Like, everything. There was the quiet game, the game of who could make their cookie last longer, the, the eating marshmallows while wearing puffy donated jackets inside, that game? What is that? Yeah, that's a game because her mom was trying to make her feel better about never having heating inside. But they turned it into a game. You know, oh. they were struggling financially and her mom wanted her to feel like everything was still fun, right? There was the flashlight game. You really only played that when the power went out. But the longest game that they ever played together was the game called I Have a Secret. Avery's mom always told her everyone should have at least one secret. Sometimes they would be in the car or like taking a bus and they would take turns guessing each other's secrets. Sometimes they would guess it right and it's like the dumbest secret ever. But Avery had a feeling that her mom had a lot of secrets and she wasn't letting Avery take a guess at them. Because when she was 15, one of her mom's secrets landed her mom in the hospital. And the next thing Avery knew, she was dead. The mom was dead. She had um, a rare blood dis disease. Mm. Never told Avery about it until it was too late. So these are two slices of puff, or one slice 
of puff pastry that I'm so delicately taking out of its packaging and I'm going to flatten it out. Yeah, so puff pastry kind of reminds me of a croissant. It gets kind of flaky and puffy. Mm. The games with her mom stopped once Avery's mom passed away, but she tried to continue playing games with other people, but it was just never the same. So Avery met Harry and Harry was, um, Harry wasn't the secretive type, at least she didn't think so. He was just her chess opponent. And here she was, sitting at the park across from her formidable opponent, and he's saying, your turn, princess. I don't have all day. She's like, I'm not a princess. It's your move, old man. Harry scowled. Harry was one of Avery's, like, only friends. And it's really hard to even say that they were friends. He was just the man without a home at the park that she played chess with every morning before school. She knew nothing about him but his first name and that he was really, really good at chess. And when she won, they had a deal, okay? The deal was he would let her buy him a breakfast sandwich. That's it, that's the deal. Avery didn't even have money for a breakfast sandwich. So what she would do is she would go to school and in the parking lot, she would hustle the kids in games of poker and she would get money for breakfast sandwiches to eat with Harry. <laughs> That's so cute. So after her little poker games, you know, it's time for the dreaded high school. High school is for everyone, but it's particularly for Avery. She had to balance grades and work at the same time. She had to make sure that she got good grades so that she could get a full paid for scholarship to college so that she could graduate and become an actuary. Oh, yeah, that's listen, what I wanted to do. Being an actuary is not a glamorous job, okay? But she said it's reliable, employable, you get a good income, and that's exactly what she needed. She didn't need a thrill in life. She just needed good finances and some stability, right? Like, Avery is the type of girl to get solid 90, 95s on all of her assignments, all of her classes, for everything, and that's on top of working a part-time job. Like, imagine if she had been born to a nice family with a dentist and a pharmacist mom. She could have focused everything into school and done great things, you know? Explored different potential career paths. But she couldn't afford that. And she knew that. She was balancing school, and instead, um, you know, Avery had to work at this hole-in-the-wall diner and help pay for rent in this dingy apartment that she shared with her half-sister. That's Nutella. This is like um, fake Nutella. I mean, just stop with this fake stuff. See, Nutella has that uh, phenomenon, you know what it's called? It, Nutella is a, a hazelnut spread, but everybody calls every hazelnut spread a Nutella, but it's not. It's like, what do you call a tissue? Everybody calls it a Kleenex, but it's not. Does that make sense? I don't know what you're saying right now. <laughs> you want to make it nice and even. It's very hard. This is not the best spreader, you know? Like, you think you can spread them cheeks with this? Spread your cheeks. That's aggressive. So she's living in this dingy apartment with her half-sister, Libby. They're seven years apart. So Libby is kind of like her second mom, even though they don't really know each other that much. Like, growing up, they saw each other maybe twice. They have different moms, and they share a father, but that father was like a deadbeat dad, I'm gonna be honest with you. He was never in the picture. So they were both just raised by their moms. They never stayed in contact, but once Avery's mom passed away, you know, she's underage, where does she go? They find her next, you know, next step of kin, and Libby, stepped up. She was like, you know what? I'm going to be your legal guardian. She really didn't have to, but she wanted to. I mean, Livy is barely scraping by. She's making no money. Her life is already rough as it is, and now she's adding a teenager to her responsibility. She's got to feed and house this teenager. How old is Libby? Seven years older, so um, she's 17. 24. <laughs> but that's the thing about Libby. She was just way too empathetic for her own good, or really for anybody's good. So she gets home after her part-time job and Avery throws cash on the table. Tips were good tonight. 
And Libby's like, how good? Avery places the wad of crumbled singles on her hand. Good enough to help make rent. And Libby's like, no, you don't have to worry about that. You're a teenager. You don't need to worry about rent. And she's trying to push it back into Avery's hand. And they're desperately fighting each other. And it was just... That's not the part that really bothered Avery. The part that really bothered her was as they're fighting, she noticed behind Libby on the kitchen counter was a dead body. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was worse. There were dozens of fresh baked muffins and cupcakes. No. Libby, no. Avery, it's not what you think. So, side note about Libby, she's an apology baker. If she wants to say sorry for anything, she's gonna bake you a hundred cupcakes first. And this time, it was most definitely about Drake. Do you know who Drake is? It's Libby's ex-boyfriend who is incredibly abusive, he likes to punch holes in walls and in Libby's face, but Libby is a people pleaser and she seems to constantly take him back so long as he says a few romantic words. And then she bakes him cookies? Bakes I mean Avery cookies. Because oh, she knows Avery hates him because oh. he's an abusive little piece of He's moving back in? Avery, it's gonna be different this time. And right on time, in walks Drake. Hey, jailbait. That's what he calls Avery. Oh my god. <laughs> That's his intro. Oh my god. <laughs> Libby's like, Drake, don't call her that. I'm kidding. You guys know I'm kidding. Jeez, you and your sister need to learn how to take a freaking joke. Avery felt the anger pool in her system, not for Libby, but for this guy, okay? She turned to her sister and whispered, Libby, this is not healthy. If Drake's staying here, then I'm not. If you need me, I'll be living in my car. And the situation was clearly not ideal. Avery's car was old. Some would call it a piece of junk, but at least her heater worked. So that night, she parked in the back of the diner that she works in. At least this way, the odds of getting towed were probably slimmer. And in the car, you know, she's thinking, do I focus on homework? Do I try to text someone? And she just kind of realizes how alone she is. The only people that she could even text about what was going on right now was Libby, but she's a part of what's going on. And her best friend, Max Liu. Yeah, Chinese, I love it. Okay, her best friend that moved away. Max's parents are super strict, Asian parents, you know what I mean? So they never let her talk on the phone whenever she wants. And even though they don't live near each other, they just always try to talk as much as they can. So she sends a hopeful message. Max, you know who is back. So putting her phone down, waiting for that text back, Avery's just looking around. She knew that she probably should do homework in the car because school's tomorrow, but she can't focus on homework, not right now. So she reaches into her glove compartment and she pulls out a stack of postcards, dozens of them. All of them are from places that she had planned on going with her mom, just all over the world. Hawaii, New Zealand, Machu Picchu, Tokyo, Bali, Greece, all those places seemed so impossibly far away. Like she's never even been out of this small town in Connecticut. Like, how is she going to go to Hawaii? But just the visuals on those postcards, these are her dreams. She's going to be an actuary and save up money and go on vacation maybe once a year, maybe, maybe once every two years. She just needed to get through high school first. That's it. It sounded impossible, but that's all she could do. So the next day in class, she realizes why kids shouldn't sleep in cars because, um, so uncomfortable. Her whole body ached like a 60-year-old. She had to shower in the school gym when she got to class and her hair was soaking wet, which is just not a good look. But at least nobody would notice. Avery is what you call a wallpaper student, according to the book. Meaning that she blended in. Like nobody hated her, nobody bullied her. Literally nobody cared for her or her existence. She was so utterly insignificant to everyone else that she didn't exist. And she didn't mind it. So in class, when the door bursts open and the admin staff walks in and is like, Avery, you're needed in the principal's office immediately, please. She was confused. 
This is out of the norm. Avery says, girls like me, we're supposed to be invisible. We don't get summoned for sit downs with the principal. We make exactly as much trouble as we can afford to make, which in my case is none. Oui. Oui. Okay. I don't know how to cut it. <laughs> what do I do? It's a tree shape. You got this. I believe in you. Channel thou. Christmas spirit. You know how to draw a star? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm just gonna make a prediction. This is gonna turn out kind of funky fresh. <laughs> Your face is funky fresh. It's literally the most beautiful heart. Oh. Come on now. Okay, okay. Wow. Oh. Wow, that's wow. so satisfying. Okay. You want me to do it? No. Okay, okay. you do it. <laughs> it's not what I imagined for myself. I should have called this eating a mystery, you know? <laughs> okay, anyway, which in her case was none. So what the hell was she in trouble for? Her heart is racing a bit and she walks in and she sees Libby sitting in the room and it must be really bad if they called in her sister, if they called in her legal guardian during her work shift. She's in her waitress uniform. And so immediately Avery's like, oh my God, is it dad? And she didn't notice before, but instead of the principal in the chair, there was a young man in a full suit. He must be what? at most 19 years old in a three-piece suit and it looked like it had been <laughs> sewn onto him. Like it fits so well, like he reeked what? of money. That suit was probably a Tom Ford Armani suit, okay? I don't know which one, you pick. Not because his, you know, he smells like money. Not because his cologne smelled expensive, but she said people with money, the ones that are born into money, a lot of money, they just have an aura to them. Like they act different. They don't even try to, it just comes naturally to them. Power and influence is like a birthright for them. So his eyes are icy gray, his hair is blonde, and like you know it's a YA when you wanna date the characters. You know it's an adult thriller when you don't wanna date nobody in the book, okay? That's when you're like, oh, these people are all red flags. <laughs> and he starts talking. Your father is fine, as of yesterday at least. Ricky Grams was alive and well, passed out in a motel room in Michigan. And yeah. how would you know that? It's best you assume that I know everything. The 19-year-old was talking yeah. like that? And Avery is like, a guy who thinks he knows everything? That's new. Who are you? Where's the principal? What do you want? All I want is to deliver a message, one that has been proven rather difficult to send via traditional means. And Libby looks up at Avery, blushing. Sorry, that might be my fault. What? what might be your fault? Okay, look, I had no idea the letters were real. What letters? The boy in the suit spoke. The letters that my grandfather's attorneys have been sending certified mail to your residence for the better part of the last three weeks? I thought they were a scam. I assure you, they are not. Let me start again. My name is Grayson Hawthorne, and I'm here on behalf of McNamara, Ortega, and Jones, a Dallas-based law firm representing my grandfather's estate. He passed away earlier this month, and his name was Tobias Hawthorne. Grayson looked like he was expecting a gasp, a shock, some sort of reaction. But Avery and Libby are like, who the fuck is that? Most grandfathers do indeed pass away at some point, unfortunately, so why the hell are you here? So he continues. My grandfather was a wealthy man, Miss Grams, and it appears, along with our family and people who have worked for him for years, you have been named in his will. His what? His will. I don't know what he left you exactly, but your presence is required at the will's reading. We have been postponing it for weeks trying to get in contact. Look, Avery is a smart girl, but he might as well have been speaking a whole new language. None of this made sense. Why would your grandfather leave anything to me? That's the question of the hour, isn't it? I've taken the liberty of making travel arrangements on your behalf, and I'll give you two a moment to talk. And with that, he struts out of the room, and it was 
bizarre. Libby found it entertaining and exciting, but Avery, she's skeptical at best. And Libby's like, I'm sorry, Ave, I thought it was a scam, you know? They were all like, you inherited money, give us a call. I mean, come on, it's like a Nigerian <laughs> prince style scam. Maybe it is. Why would this Tobias Hawthorne dude I've never met, never even heard of, put me in as well? So they rushed, knowing that Grayson was probably right outside the door, waiting to come back in, and Avery does a quick Google search on Tobias Hawthorne. And well, the quick Google searches showed that he's a philanthropist that died at 78. And Libby is like, holy shit, philanthropist? You know what that means, right? That means they're rich. No, Libby, it means that they donate a lot of money. Yeah, because they're seriously rich. Yeah, but why would a total stranger leave me anything? Maybe he knew your mom, Avery, but we gotta go to the reading of the will. Besides, he told me that he booked our tickets first class. And with that, both of them take off work and whip away in first class. This was their first plane ride, and it was first class. They took full advantage, drinking the free champagne, taking pictures, getting snotty side-eyes from all the rich people who thought they were too tacky to be in first class, taking pics, okay? Or maybe it was the fact that they didn't look first class, like Libby had bright blue hair, they were very young, and they were just amazed by everything. But Avery had to admit, she was just thankful to get Libby away from Drake, even if it only meant a few days. And on the plane, they googled Tobias some more, and it turns out he's not just a philanthropist or just a rich guy. He was worth billions, with a B. $46.2 billion. $46 billion? <laughs> but Avery tried to remain calm. Things like this just don't happen to girls like her. And if, even if she starts daydreaming of getting $10,000 or hell, even $2,000, that's a lot of money. This is for sure a scam. Like, yeah. what are you saying? And her hopes are going to come crashing down at the reading of the will, so she's trying not to think about it too much. When the two get off the plane, they were greeted by a powerful-looking woman in an equally powerful pantsuit. Miss Grams, I'm Alyssa Ortega from McNamara, Ortega & Jones. You are a very hard woman to get a hold of. Yeah, I live in my car. Libby's like, uh, uh, she doesn't live in her car? Tell her that you don't live in your car. Tell her. It didn't seem like Alyssa cared either way. She starts power walking through the airport towards the exit, and she said, I will be your liaison from the firm. Anything you need while you're here, you come to me. And the way she talked gave Avery the vibe that she was kind of like Grayson. Alyssa was someone that... She wasn't just a nobody. The way that she walked and talked, she knew that she was important. So yeah. as they slip into the car, Avery asks the burning question, the one that I've waited many chapters for. Do you know what's in the will? Um, I do not, but we will all soon find out. We all will. The reading is scheduled shortly after your arrival at the Hawthorne house. Yeah, the house has a name. It's not the Hawthorne's house, it's Hawthorne house. And both Avery and Libby are gonna stay the night at the house after the reading of the will. Alyssa goes on to explain the house setup because it's not really your typical house or a typical mansion. It's not even a typical estate. It probably has over 30 rooms. Everyone lost count at this point. There's not even an accurate map or floor plan to describe the place because Mr. Hawthorne bought the estate on a huge plot of wooded land decades ago. And as he accumulated more wealth, he started adding more wings into the house. So it would just section off and section off. It was more of like a labyrinth, a, a maze, if you will. My father was Mr. Hawthorne's attorney since before I was born. I spent quite a lot of time growing up there, and it's, it's definitely something. Yeah, but do you have any idea why I'm here? Like, why he would leave me anything at all? I don't know. Are you the world-saving type? No. Ever had your life ruined by someone with the last name Hawthorne? No. Lucky you. 
And that was the end of the conversation, naturally, because when they pulled up to Hawthorne House, words wouldn't even form in Avery's mouth. It looked like the Buckingham Palace. It looked like a royal's house. Not just a big mansion, not just a rich person's house. So before we meet the Hawthorns, let me give you a little family tree situation. And I've actually drawn a family tree. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm gonna put it right here. It, it, just so you get the full picture. Tobias Hawthorne, the grandfather who just died, he married a woman named Alice, and they are both dead now, okay? They had three children together, Zara, a daughter, Skye, a daughter, and their favorite child, the one and only son, Toby Hawthorne, but he died, okay, mysteriously. It's a part of the book, so I won't give too much details now, but we'll get into it. Anyway, Zara and Skye, the two daughters, are left. Zara and her husband, Constantine, have um, hard infertility problems and can't conceive. But Skye, Skye met four fantastic men and had four sons from four different fathers, and they're all half-brothers. The first and the oldest grandson is Nash Hawthorne. So these are the Hawthorne brothers and they're very important. Nash Hawthorne. I'm gonna show like fanfic drawings so that it's like easier to picture them in your mind because they're like really hot. <laughs> so he's the oldest of the Hawthorne grandsons, but he's not the heir because he never really cared for money. Like not in the angsty, like I'm different, I don't care for money, but like really, um, the only times that he seems to use his family's money is when he likes to save lost people. Like he loves women in distress, that's like his kryptonite. He'll go places, find a woman in distress and like give her money, okay? He's 19. Yeah, no he's like 20 something. Oh. Yeah, in his like mid to late 20s. Oh. He has a bit of a savior complex for sure, but he's like very Texan. He likes cowboy boots and a, he has a southern accent. Don't ask me why none of the other brothers do. Then you have Grayson Hawthorne, the heir to the Hawthorne throne, the favorite grandson. He's the smart one, the one that showed up at the school in the principal's oh, that's office. The one. He's obsessed. He loves being put together, making his grandpa proud. He has been trying to learn the ins and outs of the business since he was like seven years old. He's creative. He's got the grades. He's got the business acumen. What he's, business are they in? So they, you know, they don't really say. I know that they own like hotels, okay, but they okay. do a little bit of everything. Okay. He just wanted to be his grandfather 2.0, but maybe he wanted it too much. Maybe he was a bit too boring for his grandfather. And he's hot too. Yeah, they're all hot. They're all hot. All yeah. four sons are hot. All four sons are hot. Because this is a YA book. And they all fell in love with the main girl. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Just like two of the four. <laughs> yeah, maybe he followed in the steps too much because he was just a little bit too boring for his grandfather. Some speculate that even though Grayson was the heir apparent, like the apparent heir to the throne, it was obvious that he was going to take over the family enterprises, right? But grandfather Tobias, billionaire Tobias, favored grandson number three, Jameson Hawthorne. Jameson was like a bit more of the fiery, passionate one. He was not that good in terms of business because he's not level-headed. He's got this like inner fire in his He's competitive, he's driven, he's passionate, but also, also that means he takes too big of risks. Grayson is not a risk taker. He does everything his grandpa tells him by the book. So he's willing to break the rules to get ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think his grandpa was worried about that, him taking over, but he really admired that in him because mm -hmm. I think he had the same thing. Like Tobias Hawthorne probably felt the same way. There's just something about Grayson and Jameson. They do not get along. I think they were both competing to be grandpa's favorite. And uh, the way that they look at each other, 
There's just some beef there between the two brothers. Mm -hmm. Then there's the youngest, Xander Hawthorne. He's actually the smartest of the bunch, even though he's the youngest. He's the baby of the family, and he's super creative. He makes a lot of machines, and he loves anything mechanical, any creations. He's like an inventor of sorts. He even has patents under his name. He kind of stays out of the family drama. So both the youngest and the oldest, they're kind of cast to the side. Not in a bad way, but they almost put themselves on the side. And the whole house is taken over by the unspoken competition between Grayson and Jameson. Maybe both of their personalities were a bit too strong, and the other two chill brothers, they just kind of, you know, let them take over. You think this is a good tree? Yeah, look at it. Okay, ready? Ta-da! Whoa, that is so good. And they're all hot, all four of them, because of course they are. And in private, after introducing all the boys to Avery, Alyssa gives her a very loaded warning. And she says, as someone that's been there and done that, Never lose your heart to a Hawthorne. And Avery's like, don't worry, that's not gonna happen, okay? Look, later we find out that Alyssa and Nash were dating at one point, and things ended, and now she hates him. Like, really hates Nash, Nash? the oldest one, the chill southern boy. Oh. She fucking hates him, refuses to even acknowledge him most of the time that she runs into him. It's tense. Anyway, they enter the house, and the words to describe this place is probably... You know, think of all the mansions that we talked about in BAMs, the smart house from Turn of the Key, the London mansion from Behind Closed Doors. All these estates are like guest homes for the Hawthorne house. Each room is like two stories tall with ornate ceilings carved in wood and gold. There's multiple libraries in the house. Most of them are three stories tall, filled with original first edition copies of masterpieces, books, and novels. Many kitchens filled with chefs, a whole staff of people just to keep the place running. A theater, a music room, a conservatory, a solarium, greenhouses, and even secret tunnels and secret rooms and Ooh. panic rooms. Like the gym facility looks, like Equinox looks like compared to it. There's a bowling alley, supercars lined up in the garage. I mean, it is a castle, it is a monument, it is a tourist attraction, but it's just somebody's house. Like the first thing that you think of when you walk in is your breath is taken away, but immediately you realize there's more to this house than meets the eye. Even when Nash, the oldest grandson, greets them, he takes their coats and knocks on specific parts of the wall before a door emerges and pops out <laughs> and it's a coat closet. Yeah. That's a little um, show off you know? Yeah, but he like isn't even trying to show off. Right, right, right. But whoever built it, it's like, yeah. check this out. Check Here's this a feature. Out. But like, tell me why that's some that I feel like you would love. Of course, who wouldn't love that? <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't? What the hell? We love a good hidden room. Yeah, like, oh my god, everyone's talking about the... Oh, the book bathroom? Yes. Oh yes, I'm gonna put that clip right here while I egg this up. Yeah. That's in our apartment, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not our apartment. That's in the building. Yeah. <laughs> Not our apartment, come on now. <laughs> I just really want this one to be a success. I feel like all the BAMs recently, the baking has not been good. Recently? Let's go pop this in the oven. I feel like you and me, we're the same. You guys are listening to this video because you like a good story. I like a good story. And the best place to get all those good stories that you might need to fill that beautiful ear and that beautiful brain of yours is with Audible. Audible is the best place to listen to whatever you're interested in. They've got the best-selling audiobooks in every genre. They've got exclusive audio originals, popular podcasts, and just so much more all in one place. And this is gonna sound dramatic, but my life changed once I started using Audible a few years back. There is so much to listen to. One second I could be listening to someone talking about how to grow their business, then I could be listening to the most gut 
gut-wrenching romance audiobook, and then a nail-biting thriller, and then I'm listening to a podcast about a movie. Literally, it's insane how much there is to explore on Audible. They even have stories told by the biggest stars like Ethan Hawke, Carrie Washington, Kevin Hart. Whatever you're in the mood for, like an epic adventure, chilling mystery, comedy, motivation, wellness, celebrity memoir, it's all there for you. Listen, I had a goal in 2022 to get through a lot of titles that would not have been possible without Audible. And I'm sure we're gonna set similar goals in 2023. Audible is amazing. You can listen to audiobooks on the go, driving, dishes, laying in bed, on the plane. It's amazing. And as an Audible member, you get to choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers, new releases, and members get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, podcasts. And on top of that, you can download or stream any of those titles all you want. I'm going to be using my next credit with Audible to listen to The Hawthorne Legacy, which is the second audiobook in this trilogy series, and I would love for you guys to listen with me. It's supposed to be even more intense. I'm so excited. Let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or be entertained. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com BAM or text BAM to 500-500. That's audible.com BAM or text BAM to 500-500. Okay, now we can really get into it. Let's do this. So it's not just a coat closet, like a secret hidden coat closet. It's a tunnel. There's a tunnel that connects to the coat closet and a dude walks out of there. And listen, Avery can't help that her jaw is dropping every two seconds in this house. Sure, she could have a better poker face, but this is unreal. A teenager about Avery's age in a full suit walks out of the coat closet. He was similar to Grayson and Nash, arrogant, cocky, full of power, but a little more disheveled, like a little bit more mischievous. He's one of the brothers. This is the youngest one, Xander Hawthorne, and he makes his grand entrance. So we've met the oldest Nash, Grayson, the one that went to her school, and now Xander, who just literally came out of the closet. The playful baby of the family. I mean, even how he talks to Avery, it's obvious that he never takes himself too seriously. I'm the handsome one. Nice to meet you. I know what you're thinking. Wow, he can really fill out in a Marnie suit. And uh, yeah, you are correct. It's nice to meet you. What's your name? Do you spend a lot of time in coat closets? Secret Passage. The place is full of them. And he whisks Libby away to give her a tour, unsolicited, unasked for. Meanwhile, Avery is left with Grayson because he just joined them in the foyer. I apologize for my brother Xander. He tends to not buy into such antiquated notions as thinking before he speaks. I would love to talk like that. Me too. <laughs> Who talks like that? And uh, Miss Ortega said that you, there was four of you, four grandsons, I mean. I have three brothers, same mother, different fathers. Our aunt Zara doesn't have any children, and on the topic of family, I feel as though I should give you an apology in advance. And in walks a beautiful woman, stunning. Her clothes are pleated and they flow and dance around her as she moves. Their mom, Sky Hawthorne. Mother, oh don't you call me mother. <laughs> you would think that he was born wearing a suit. You must be Ava? Her name is Avery, mother. Sky sighs, but she looks at her son with such awe because I don't know, I guess it's like a fun. Definitely a golden mom, like a boy mom vibe. Like, this is my golden child vibe. I always told my children to call me by my first name. I wanted to raise them as equals, you know? But then I always imagined I would have girls. But here I am, four boys later. Do you mind me, dear, if I ask you when your birthday is? Are you a Scorpio? Maybe a Capricorn? Not a Pisces, clearly. Mother? I mean, Sky? Please. And then another voice interrupts them, a woman that was the opposite of Skye. This woman was pencil skirts, power suits, clutch, clutching her pearls type of vibe. Skye, 
I highly doubt that Miss Graham's plans to stay long enough for a fireside chat or an astrological reading. I'm Zara Hawthorne. Do you mind if I ask how did you know my father? I didn't. And Avery could see all their faces scrunch up, just a brief fleeting expression, but it looked like that of confusion, curiosity. And as Avery looked around, she realized that everyone had been waiting for her to get there. They were anticipating the reading of the will. Nobody here knew what was in the will either. They were all expecting Grayson to be the heir. This is what she's picking up from all the conversations she's hearing. So they make their way to the great room, which is this massive office, literal gargoyles on the fireplace, okay? Huge! The lawyers are lined up. A few families were there that clearly weren't part of the Hawthorns, right? Maybe employees, extended, extended family. They just didn't have the rich, posh attitude that the Hawthorns clearly seemed to be born with. I didn't know like you have to like gather everyone to yeah. read it. So you you can't, can't just like send an email to everyone. By the way, this is for you, this is for you. Yeah, so you can't refute it. Everyone has to be in the same. And I think it depends. Like you can stipulate in your estate that you don't care. But most of the time, if it's a lot of money at stake, it's like at the same time. First reading, so nobody finds out before the other. What others. about like a Zoom meeting or something? <laughs> like it's so, it's such a grand, like yeah. it's, such, it's like a movie theme. Yeah. I wonder how many people actually do this in person. Maybe just like a select rich number of people because okay. I just can't imagine this being a normal thing. Because <laughs> right? like when my dad passes away, like... <laughs> I give my pencil collection. <laughs> Seeing them, Avery couldn't help but feel bad for them. You know, Tobias Hawthorne died a couple weeks ago. You could just smell the grief in the room. And as everyone gathered, it was just getting too much. Avery was reminded of her own mom who passed away two years ago. And the grief, it was just hitting her like a truck. I'm gonna go outside and get some fresh air real quick. Libby was like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I just need some air. Zara's snotty, annoying husband finally spoke to her. His name is Constantine. And where are you going? We're about to start. Well, I was told that there's four Hawthorne grandsons, and by my account, you're still down one, so I'm gonna be back in a minute. And she rushed out of there. She went to the nearest exit, which was in the back. So she's in the backyard, if you can even call it that. It's giving enchanted forest, greenhouse, a statue garden, woods stretching into the distance. Is that a river? And above her, there was a voice. There he was, the last Hawthorne grandson, shirtless and drunk, sitting on the edge of the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't do YA books with you. This is why I can't do YA books with you. This is why. <laughs> You don't want to go sit chillless and drunk on the balcony? I don't know, it might be hot. <laughs> and she says, you're gonna fall. Interesting proposition. It's not a proposition. There's no shame in propositioning a Hawthorne. You must be the mystery girl. My name is Avery. Whatever you say, MG. Can I call you MG? Mystery girl, MG. What's MG? Oh, MG. Yeah. No, you can call me Avery. And with that, he teetered off the balcony, making Avery gasp in fear, but he landed straight on his feet as he if he had- off? It's like a very short balcony, okay? <laughs> and it's as if he had planned it. It was probably hot because Avery said her pulse was racing, but she had to snap out of it. She felt like she was in a fever dream. She just wanted to get this over with, and hopefully she would go back to Connecticut $2,000 richer, hopefully with a story to tell. This is son number three. Yeah, great. Jameson. Mm. By the time that they went back to the great room, Jameson was there in a suit, and he smiled and gave a dramatic little salute to Avery. Grayson was next to her, and he tensed up. And the attorneys, all three of them, stood to read the will. 
You are here to hear the last will and testament of Tobias Tattersall Hawthorne. Per Mr. Hawthorne's instructions, my colleagues will now distribute letters he has left for each and every one of you. You may open them when the reading of this will is concluded. Mr. Hawthorne stipulated that all the following individuals must be physically present for the reading of the will. We may begin now. I, Tobias Tattersall Hawthorne, being of sound body and mind, decree that my worldly possessions, including all my monetary and physical assets, be disposed of as follows. To Andrew and Lottie Lachlan for years of loyal service. So Andrew is the groundskeeper and one of the oldest employees, and Lottie is his wife, the head chef, and like, honestly, maybe like the staffer of the family. They're the ones that take care of everything, and they live on the cottage that's like, I mean, the place is big. It's like a guest house, okay? I bequeath a sum of $100,000 apiece with lifelong rent-free tenancy at Wayback Cottage located on the western border of Hawthorne House. $100,000 each? To John Oren, head of my security detail, yeah. who has saved my life more times in many more ways than I can count, I leave the contents of my toolbox left in the custody of my law firm as well as a sum of $300,000. Avery starts getting excited, but she reminds herself these people worked for him probably for decades, right? She was nobody to this man. She has never even met Tobias Hawthorne. She's probably, she'd be lucky to go home with a thousand dollars and that's it. To my daughter, Zara and Sky Hawthorne, I leave the funds necessary to pay off all debts accrued as of the date and time of my death. Additionally, I leave Sky my compass and Zara my wedding ring. And to each my daughters, I leave a one-time inheritance of $50,000. What? Zara's husband screamed, 50,000? His own daughters got less than his employees. I mean, sure, their debts were probably high, probably in the millions, but still, Zara was pissed. She turned what? to her sister, Sky. You did this. Me? Daddy was never the same after Toby died. Toby disappeared. You got in his head, didn't you? You wanted him to leave everything to your... Sons? Is that the word you're looking for, sister? Sons? Nash spoke up. The word she's looking for, mother, is bastards. It's not like we haven't heard it before from her. And Zara screamed, if I had a son. But you didn't, did you, Zara? Enough. We will sort this out later. This is Zara's husband. And the lawyer is interrupted. I'm afraid there's nothing to be sorted. You will find the will is ironclad, with significant disincentives to anyone who might be tempted to challenge it. A.K.A. shut the f*** up and sit down. <laughs> now, to my grandsons, Nash, Grayson, Jameson, and Xander. I leave, and Zara bitterly muttered, everything. $250,000 apiece payable on their 25th birthdays until such time to be managed by Alyssa Ortega. Even Alyssa Ortega seems shocked, so her dad is reading the will. And she even says, what? Wait, that meant everyone in the room was accounted for. Their portion of the will had been read, and he left nothing to his family? Like, where was the rest of the $46.2 billion going? That's insane. And the room was about to turn into absolute chaos. These people looked like they were ready to kill each other. Please, everyone, allow me to finish. The remainder of my estate, including all properties, monetary assets, and worldly possessions not otherwise specified, I leave to Avery Kylie Grams. Ah! And now, the chaos. Everyone whips their head to look at Avery, some with confusion, curiosity, and most of them ready for blood. The world's youngest billionaire is born. And Zara's like, and who the hell is she? Grayson says, well, there must be some mistake. He left everything to her? 
And the lawyer stepped in. I assure you there is no mistake. And I assure the rest of you that Tobias Hawthorne's last will and testament is utterly unbreakable. Since the majority of the remaining details only concern Miss Grams, we will seize the dramatics. But let us make one thing very clear. Per the terms of the will, any heir who challenges Avery's inheritance will forfeit their share of the estate entirely. Avery felt dizzy. She felt confused, just as confused as everyone else. Zara's husband hissed. No will is ironclad, not when there's that kind of money at stake. Nash spoke up. Spoken like someone who doesn't know the old man. Grayson looked over at Avery. I think you should leave. Avery was about to turn and exit before Alyssa spoke. Technically, it's her house. And the lawyer spoke. My daughter is correct. Miss Grams, you own it all. Not just the fortune, but all the properties, including Hawthorne House. Per the terms of your inheritance, your current occupants have been granted tenancy unless you give cause for removal. Under no circumstances can any of those tenants attempt to remove you. Avery looked around, and she thought, they're going to kill me. Someone in this room is actually going to kill me. And right then and there, Orin walked over to stand in between her and the family. Orin, step aside. You work for our family. I worked for Mr. Hawthorne, and it was his last request that I continue in the employment of Miss Avery Kylie Grams. As her head of security, everyone please take a step back. Woo! Jameson smirked. He's not just protecting you from us, by the way, mystery girl. The entire world's going to want a piece of you. This is story of the century written all over it. Because for no reason, Avery Kylie Grams has just become an heiress to $46.2 billion. Avery and Libby rush out of the house with Orin tailing them, head spinning. They just need to get air. They need to get away. They need to think because none of this... How is this true? I mean, none of this is happening. Like, this is fake. Orin refuses to leave their side. And when they requested they be taken to a motel for the night because they don't want to stay in this house with a bunch of killers, they were taken to the fanciest hotel ever. We, we can't afford rooms here. Alyssa joined them in the lobby. You own this hotel. This will is currently in probate, but in the meantime, the firm will be picking up the tab for anything that you might need. Is that what law firms usually do? Like, are, don't you guys like bill by the hour? I don't know. What are you? Mr. Hawthorne was our most important client, and um, eventually he was our only client. And now, now that client is you. So at the hotel, they reread the will and they go over the details. And the only way to get the inheritance, the only stipulation is that Avery has to live in the house for one year. Hawthorne House. With the whole family that wants her dead. She can't kick any of them out unless they give her good reason. So an entire year and she has to move in no more than three days after the will is read. Wait, but they want to kill me. I don't want to get axe murdered. Orin thought about it briefly. Risk assessment is pretty low, at least insofar as axe murder. The boys would never harm a woman, and the woman will probably come for you in the courtroom. No axe involved. Besides Avery, if an heir dies while a will is in probate in the state of Texas, the inheritance doesn't revert back to the original estate. It becomes part of the heir's estate. Meaning, if Avery dies, the money goes to her next of kin, Libby, and their deadbeat father. Oh, she needs to write a will now. <laughs> yeah. And if for whatever reason, Avery doesn't move into Hawthorne House, her portion of the estate, aka everything, doesn't go to the family, it will be dispersed to charity. It seems Grandpa Hawthorne went through a lot of hoops to make sure his family didn't get his, their money on the dough. And with the pressing question, she asked, Why did Tobias Hawthorne disinherit his entire family? Why did he leave everything to me? Does your father know? He wrote the will with him, no? I don't think my father knows why. Do you? 
And that night, in the most expensive suite of the most expensive hotel, Avery is talking to Max, her friend on the phone, of possibly every reason that she could have been inheriting all of this. Maybe, maybe Avery was switched at birth. Maybe she had Hawthorne blood and never knew it. Maybe her father isn't her father and her father is a Hawthorne. Maybe she, her mom was switched at birth. But her call was interrupted by a knock on the door. Orin had cleared the person. Orin said, is Grayson Hawthorne allowed to enter? Sure, let him in. And Grayson looked, not pissed, but almost acidic and ruthless. I don't know how you did this. I don't know what kind of hold you had over my grandfather, or what kind of con you're running here. Con? I'm not- I'm talking right now, Miss Grams. I haven't a clue how you pulled this off, but I will find out. I see you now for what you are, what you're capable of, and there's nothing I wouldn't do to protect my family. So whatever game you're playing, no matter how long the con, I will find the truth, and God help me when I do. Avery pushed him out and shut the door in his face, and then retreated to her room, and she thought of the letter. Remember, they all got a letter at the reading of the will? She opened it up. It had been burning a hole in her brain ever since she had, you know, had it. And she thought maybe the answers would be there. She opened it, reread it, and the only thing on the page, Dearest Avery, I'm sorry, TTH. <laughs> That's it. Sorry for what? Avery had no idea. So the next day at the hotel, after a sleepless night, Alyssa and Orin run her through the security protocols. She would hopefully be moving into Hawthorne House tonight. And now that she's an heir, eventually the news will get out and everyone will want a piece of her. The rumor mill will swirl. And that's not including potential kidnappings, stalkings, and threats of being one of the richest, youngest women alive in America. And Orin reminded her, once the news gets out, you will be on the cover of everything. To some people, you will be Cinderella. To others, you will be Mary Antoinette. Some people will want to be you, and others will hate you to the depths of their soul for no reason. Uh, Alyssa asked, is there anything that you need? A new car, or um, I already ordered you a new phone on the way, stat. What else is there? Avery could barely afford a breakfast sandwich for her and Harry two days ago, and now she could buy the world. Which reminded her, the only thing that Avery wanted to do with the money first is getting a home for Harry. Alyssa said, we will get on that right away. And with that, Libby came back to meet with Avery from fetching all their things from their apartment in Connecticut. But she came back with more than clothes. She came back with a black eye. <gasps> Drake. Drake had punched her. Alyssa and Avery were both worried, but neither of them spoke because there was a bigger problem. Paparazzi had swarmed the hotel. I'm sorry. I had to tell Drake what was going on. He was oh so mad. God. Yep, Drake knew everything now. The conditions of the will, everything. And he told the press, he went to the press, and he sold it because Libby left him. She was all over the news now. Avery was all over the news, everywhere. They rushed to Hawthorne House where, yes, the gates were swarming with paparazzi, but once they were past the gate, it's like this long, windy drive, like rich people shit, okay? And nobody was allowed through. Security was tight, guards everywhere, large fences, CCTV cameras everywhere. Nobody was going in or out without Orrin approving it. But when they get to the front door, Alyssa finds a large envelope. Legally, the family has to provide you with a key to get into the house, but the Hawthorne family can be a pain in the ass. And inside the package, the envelope, there were hundreds of keys. <laughs> this is cute. Any idea which one opens the door? And from the intercom, Jameson responded, You'll figure it out. I've got hope in you, MG. 
Avery was pretty competitive, okay? She liked a challenge. She tried to think, look past the details, past the complications. That's the trick. They're trying to make it complicated because the answer is simple. So she found that most of the keys were the same, about 14 different replicas of the same key, right? So 14 different sets and then a bunch that were copied. So she sorted through them and finally she found one that didn't have a copy. And she said this one. And with nerves, she went to the door and opened it on her first try. <laughs> and Libby's like, Avery, how did you know which one to use? The intercom crackled again. Sometimes things that appear different on the surface are actually exactly the same at their core. The first day in the house was a blur. Avery saw the four Hawthorne brothers what interacting. What does that statement mean? Bruh, what does any statement by an 18 year old boy mean? <laughs> Jack shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't know. I just think it's fascinating because I've never met anyone, no matter their age, that talks like this. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not a 17 year old. I got a cousin, Dan Dan. He's in his 20s and he'd be like, no cap for real. I'm like, bro. So she sees all the four Hawthorne brothers interacting together and just the full force of them together, it was insane. Like they were, they were something. Like they looked like a rich people family and you looked like an outsider. It didn't matter. You could never be accepted in. That was the feeling. They had their own feelings about one another, but they were the Hawthorns. They were untouchable. And in the library, the boys were talking, pretending like Avery wasn't even there, making her feel even more like an outsider. And Jameson mentioned the keys. And Grayson was upset. Why would you give her the keys? I was just curious to see how she would do. Do you want to hear her time? She got it faster than all of us. No, we don't want to hear the time. Well, I told you she was special. She got it really fast. And Grayson got up in Jameson's face and said, I told you to stay away from her. And Jameson looked over and said, welcome to Hawthorne House, mystery girl. Or should I call you heiress now? What do you think, Gray? Got a nickname preference for our new landlord? And Grayson's not even looking at Avery. He's like, I'm trying to protect you, Jameson. I think we all know, Grayson, that the only person that you've ever protected is yourself. And Nash tries to step in before things get heated and he's like, Xander, why don't you show Avery her wing of the house? And so the youngest goes, got it. And we can stop by for cookies on the way. And Grayson goes, no cookies. Fine, scones. And they go to the kitchen and uh, Xander is like, we'll stop for scones. I'm a scone eating expert. A finely honed scone eating palate does not just develop overnight. And Avery is looking at him confused. Aren't you supposed to hate me like them? I do hate you. If you've noticed, I kept the blueberry scones for myself and I've given you the disgusting lemon flavored scones. Such is the depth of my loathing for you. This isn't a joke, you know, the will. Why would I hate you, Avery? You weren't the one that did this. Maybe you're blameless, maybe you're evil, maybe you're an evil genius that Gray seems to think that you are. But at the end of the day, even if you thought you'd manipulated our grandfather into this, I guarantee that he's the one manipulating you and the two trek on into the labyrinth maze that is Hawthorne House. Th like, think Hogwarts vibe. And Orin is just closely following behind them, and Xander is explaining. Hawthorne House is the largest residential home in the state of Texas. I could give you a number of square footage, but it would only be an estimate. The thing that truly separates Hawthorne House from other castle-like structures isn't its size, but its nature. My grandfather added new wings to the house every year. So the east wing is actually now the northeast wing. And uh, there's a lot of um, passageways here. And before entering Avery's wing, she sees a giant portrait of Tobias Hawthorne on the wall. And she couldn't look away. Something about his gray hair, his silvery eyes. His eyes were like Grayson's. And other parts of his grandsons were shown in his look. I never met him. I, I would remember if I had. Are you sure? I mean... Yeah, I mean, I would remember if I met a billionaire that looked like this, right? But, right? 
and that night, Avery explored her wing of the house, the wing that Tobias Hawthorne had spent his last months in, his wing of the house, really. It, it wasn't just a wing, it was a bedroom, multiple bedrooms, an office, a library, just this wing alone, as a house, would have taken most people's breaths away. Avery snooped all night, not because she was easily impressed or cared for things like this, but because she had, to, she had to find a reason. Why was she here? I mean, was there some sort of connection? Did he do something to her, to her mom? And in his office, she saw all the accolades of the grandsons. The brothers, they had patents registered to their names, awards, world trophies, medals, inventions. All of them were so talented. They had achieved so much in their short time on Earth. And yet, he left them with nothing. Like, they were not spoiled rich kid brats. Like, they were capable, intelligent, extraordinary. Why did he leave them with nothing? Her thoughts were interrupted by a knock on the door. Libby with her black eye. You were right. Drake... You know, Drake loved me though. I know that he did, but I just tried so hard to understand him. It, but you were right. Anyway, I came here to tell you something. I heard something. When Orin introduced me to my security, I heard um, Zara's husband talking about how they're running a DNA test on you. I don't know how they got your DNA. Avery just accepted it. I mean, it made sense. That was like the simplest explanation that she was related to Tobias, to Tobias Hawthorne somehow. But Libby looked concerned. But if he's your dad, and if you're somehow related to them, then our dad, my dad, isn't your dad. And if we don't share a dad, and we barely saw each other growing up, Libby, we're still sisters. You think? You think you'd still want me around if we're not sisters? Yes, I want you here no matter what, Libby. Okay, side note, I see the smirk, but this is a YA book. Libby's a good person, okay? I know, I, I mean, I'm sure she is, but it's just, just like the reality of it, it's like... Yeah, the reality. You know, I, come on, man, like, your sister just became a billionaire. <laughs> There's gotta be some change you see towards that person. Yeah, it's for like, sure. You're no longer just my sister. Yeah. You're more than that. You're, you're, you're my Wells Fargo you're, bitch. You're, you're, you're my You're soulmate. more than just a sister to me. You're my Federal Reserve, okay? <laughs> so later that night after a shower and getting ready to turn in, Avery hears a voice coming from her, her fucking fireplace? <laughs> Pull the candlestick on top. And she hesitantly goes to the fireplace and clicks on the candlestick. She pulls it, it's not a candlestick, it doesn't just fall off, it's a lever. And the fireplace clicks open and the door swings open. And Jameson walks out. Secret passage. Silence. It's like freaking Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. Wow. Are you that ready? Smells good. That looks like a snowy tree. No, this you is... tap on the thing. Yeah. Honey, honey, honey you're ruining it. <laughs> Ta-da! Wow. This is really cute. So you just pull rip, it. Pull yeah. It. Here oh, you go. You, a bite you. for you. How is it? Mmm. -hmm. Mm. Flaky, mm -hmm. chocolatey, mm -hmm. sweet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. warm. Mm. It's delicious. Amazing. Could put like a little bit more of the, what? Of the Nutella? Yeah, a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, I lost bite. We should share some with everyone. Yeah, we should share while like it's this? hot. Mm-hmm, because it's kind of chewy. Mm. 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 Wow. wow, incredible. Huge, huge success. Wow. Congrats. Let me try a puff bite. 
It's addicting too. Oh it's basically、God. like a really warm chocolate croissant. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is perfect. Wow, I can't get that enough. That is so good. This is literally a Christmas vibe.、Mm. Okay, last one. Seriously.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, secret passage. Silence.、You're、Straight not... into her bedroom. That's creepy. Yeah. But she has to pull the candlestick to let it open. It doesn't unlock on the other side. But still, very creepy, <sighs>、yeah. right? You're not asking about the keys. I expected you to ask about the keys. It's a bit of a family tradition. I'm not family. Do you really believe that? I don't know. Well, it would be a shame if we were related. Okay, nasty, nasty, nasty. <laughs> if you guys like that romance, listen. I love the romance in this book. It was, it was like it was well executed. It was, it was a little cringe, but in the best way possible. Like I was eating that. Up. So please go read the book or go listen to it. I can't even relate to you because I'm cringing on the inside. But he's like hot, okay? He's supposed to be really hot in the book, and、uh, she's like, which one is this? Son number two, Jameson three, three. son number okay. three, okay? Okay, okay? And she's like, I think you already have more family than you can deal with. What do you want? Why are you here? Everyone is gonna want something from you soon. The question is, how many of us want something that you're willing to give? You're a riddle, you know, a puzzle, a game. My grandfather's last. Why do you think this house has so many secret passageways? So many keys that don't work in any of the locks. Every desk in this house has a secret compartment. There's an organ in the theater. If you play a specific sequence of notes, it unlocks a hidden drawer. <laughs> Every Saturday morning, from the time that I was a kid to when he passed, he sat us down and gave us a riddle, a puzzle, an almost impossible challenge, something to solve. And then he died. And then there's you now. Grayson thinks you're a master manipulator. My aunt thinks you must have some Hawthorne blood in you. But I think you're the old man's final riddle, one last puzzle to be solved. He chose you for a reason, Avery. You're special, and I think he wanted us, or he wanted me, to figure it out. So you think this whole will, this is all a game to you? Everything is a game, Avery Grams. The only thing we get to decide in this life is if we get to play to win. Just get out. You're angry. I told you, if you want something, just ask. Don't come in here talking about how I'm special and this is a game. I know. All I want to figure out is why. Why you, Avery? Don't tell me you don't want to know that. Here, I'm gonna leave this with you. And he laid down his letter that he was given at the reading of the will. Before he leaves, he says, "He left you the fortune, and all he left us is you." And with that, she read his note over and over again that night. It said, "Jameson, better the devil you know than the one you don't." Or is it? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. All that glitters is not gold. Nothing is certain but death and taxes. There, but for the grace of God, I go. Don't judge. Tobias tatters all Hawthorne. It sounded manic. It was random phrase after phrase. Avery reached for her old phone to Google them, but instead she was bombarded with thousands of calls and texts. Every teacher she had ever had in her ever. Like every single person she had ever gone to school with that had basically ignored her her whole life, now they were clamoring for her attention. Now it made sense why Alyssa randomly bought her a new phone. Oh, oh she couldn't oh. even open her phone to Google something without a call coming in.、Oh. Yeah, and voicemail after voicemail being left. And the next day, Avery. Think, yeah. Do you think people are actually that shameless? Yeah. You think tomorrow, let's say you win a billion dollars, everyone's gonna be calling you though? I don't know. I don't know if、I、people think, are that shameless. I think they don't call you like that, but I think they do call you. 
That's why people try to be anonymous. I mean, it's a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah I see. But I don't think they call you like, I just heard you're a billionaire. I think they're like, hey, I know it's probably rough right now. Let me know if you need an ear to listen mm. or a wallet to open and you can insert cash. You know what I mean? <laughs> What? I don't know. I don't think the lottery should be a thing. I don't think anyone should win the lottery because it just brings out really weird stuff in people. Like, really weird stuff. Meanwhile, I'm gonna go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. So the next day, Avery starts at a new school. The Country Day. The most elitist private school in the whole fucking country. And Alyssa gives her a friendly piece of advice in the car. As awful as it sounds, money is power. And power is magnetic. You're not the person that you were two days ago and she gets out, and Jameson joins. So brother number three, Jameson, the one from the fireplace, is sitting in the car with her. Xander likes to go to school early, and Grayson had already graduated, and Nash is like in his 20s. And as a courtesy, Avery was um, showing Jameson her letter. Any idea what he's apologizing for? Any great and anonymous wrongdoings in your past? One. But unless you think your grandfather is responsible for my mom having an extremely rare blood type and ending up way too low on the transplant list, He's probably in the clear. Okay, so your letter doesn't make sense. What do you think of my letter, Avery? I'm curious to know your thoughts, Eris. So it felt more like a challenge than anything. And as established, Avery is incredibly competitive. Your letter is written in Proverbs. Your family was the devil Tobias knew, and I was the devil he didn't know. Money and power are dangerous, that's obvious. He knew that he was gonna die. Nothing in life is certain but death and taxes. We didn't even know he was sick. The rest meant, with different circumstances, any of us could have ended up in anyone's position. And on the surface, it seems like everything we already know. My grandfather died and left everything to the devil he didn't know, thereby reversing the fortune of many, but why? Because power corrupts? And what are you, Avery? Are you incorruptible? Is that why he left you everything? But knowing my grandfather, there's more here. There's a play on words, a code, a hidden message, something. Your grandfather signed my letter with his initials, and he signed yours with his full name. And what do you make of that? Before they could answer, they pulled up to the school. This looked like an Ivy League campus more than a high school. How the hell was this a high school? And Jameson says, hate to run, mystery girl, but the last thing you need on your first day at school is anyone seeing you getting cozy with me. And when she steps out of the car, it was the opposite of what she expected. She expected stares and whispers, but instead, it looked like everyone was making an effort to not look at her. It was even more uncomfortable than anything. Why? Because everybody, you know, they're like, they have ego too. They're like, who the f cares? about this new rich girl who literally is richer than all of our parents, whatever, act like she doesn't even matter. <laughs> like that kind of vibe. And then finally at the entrance of the school, a beautiful black haired girl, I'm Thea, you must be Avery. Why don't I show you to the office? If headmaster Dr. McGowan offers you coffee, you should take it. It's her personal roast, it's to die for. <laughs> Everyone was staring at the two of them now and Thea seemed to be enjoying it, soaking it in. How is it living in the house with those boys? It's fine. I'm sorry. It just yeah. went from that. Now we're going through a whole school romance yeah. now. Oh, oh yeah. My it's going to be a whole thing, okay? There's not that much time in school, so don't worry, oh, okay? okay? It's fine. Oh, God. If there's one thing that the Hawthorne family isn't, is it's fine. They're a twisted, broken mess before you got here, and they're going to be a twisted, broken mess when you're gone. What does she mean when she's gone? Where does she think Avery is going? And at the headmaster's office, the door burst open and a line of boys rushed out, all four of them bleeding. Xander was one of them. He looks at Thea. Thea? Xander, you look like you lost. There are no losers in Robot Battle Deathmatch Fight Club. <laughs> okay, there's only winners and people whose robots kind of explode. That's all. Well, I was just showing Avery to the office and giving her tips on her first day. 
Charming. And Avery, did the ever-delightful Thea happen to mention that her uncle is married to my aunt Zara? Constantine is her oh. uncle. I hear Zara and your uncle are looking for ways to challenge the will. It was clear that Xander was warning Avery to not trust Thea, but she shrugged it off. Thea shrugged it off. I wouldn't know about that. Okay, this is the cutest present ever. I did this last year with my fiance and my whole family got involved. It's genuinely like a priceless gift. So it's called StoryWorth and it's an online service that helps you preserve these precious memories and stories forever. Which normally things like this, I'm like, eh, I'll probably do it once and I'll forget to do it. But StoryWorth is so easy and so cool. So every week they'll email your relative or friend or your partner a thought-provoking question, which, you know, this is really good in relationships too because you get to know your partner better. The questions aren't based Basic at all. I really liked one that was like, if you could see into the future, what would you find out? And it sounds basic, but my fiance put the most specific freaking answer, and it was something that I would have never freaking guessed that he even was thinking about in our future. So it was just so exciting to see that. And after one year of StoryWorth, StoryWorth will compile all of your loved ones' stories, including any photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you can share and revisit for generations. I think it's so cool that it's not just pictures. Like, it's not just a photo album to look at. It is a look into someone's life at that time. It's something that I want to keep doing like year after year, not just one year, because every year I feel like our answers change and we become different people and we have different perspectives. I also think it's fascinating to do with like your parents because I feel like now is the time I'm really starting to see my parents as individuals and not as parents. <laughs> They've got some wild stories to share. So with StoryWorth, I am giving those that I love a most thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com baking and save $10 off in your first purchase. That's storyworth.com baking to save $10 off on your first purchase. And during school, finally, Avery got a call back from her friend Max, and she slipped away to take one in one of those empty classrooms. This whole place treated students like adults, like it was strange. You could just go in the middle of class if your phone rang, you could get up and go and pick it up. Like, what is <laughs> going on? Avery, do you know how many calls I've gotten? A reporter showed up at our house. My mom is locking me down on everything. Wait, what? Reporters want to interview you about, about what? About me? Have you not seen the news? No? Oh, well maybe don't, okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, I have a whole staff of people who hate me and the house is nothing like I've ever seen. I have a bodyguard and I mean the Hawthorns. The boys have world records and they all want to kill me. Wait, sorry, I have to go, but text me. And in the meantime, buy yourself something nice, okay? Like what? I don't know, I'll make you a list, I gotta go, bite. And during lunch, Thea basically forced Avery to sit next to her to gossip more about the brothers. Avery can't deny that she was intrigued. The Hawthorne brothers, for the longest time, every boy wanted to be them, and everyone who likes boys wanted to date them. You know, the way they look, the way they act, even just being Hawthorne adjacent changed the way that people look at you. They were like magic. And when you were in their orbit, you feel like magic too. You feel invincible. But they aren't what you think, Avery. I wouldn't want to live in that house with the Hawthorns. Was this her ploy? To get Avery to move out before the year ends to give up her inheritance? Look, think what you want about me, Avery. But the last girl at the school that got tangled up with the Hawthorne brothers and spent hour after hour in that house? Well, she died. Later, Avery ran into Xander again and her face was pale, thinking about all the things, you know, the warning of sorts. A girl died? And Xander goes, Thea got to you, didn't she? I don't want to talk about her. As it so happens, I hate talking about Thea. Shall we discuss your meeting with Jameson last night in your room? He showed you his letter, didn't he? He thinks his letter is a clue. 
You know I used to lose? All those Saturday morning puzzles and challenges? I always lost. I was the youngest, the least competitive, always distracted. But while my brothers were trying to take one down and race to the finish line, I shared my scones with the old man. And he was awfully chatty. He loves stories, facts, contradictions. Would you like to hear one? What? A contradiction? A fact. He didn't have a middle name. He wasn't, he was born Tobias Hawthorne, no middle name. If I asked you to show me your letter, would you? Now where would be the fun in that? Avery couldn't stop thinking now. Xander had just given her a clue. Tattersall, his name, his middle name. He wasn't born with it, so he made his middle name or like he made it up, like it, it's weird, right? And when she looked at Jameson's letter again, she noticed an odd spacing between his middle name. It, it almost looked like tatters all. Avery texted Alyssa to make sure that this didn't change the will and it wasn't a mistake, and Alyssa responded immediately. Legal name change years ago. We're all good. But why would he change his middle name? And why tatters all? It's not a normal middle name. Tatters all? Almost like ripping all? Like tatters at all? He left them in tatters? Alyssa said he changed his names years before the grandsons were even born. So did he plan to disinherit all his family before his grandkids were even born? None of this makes sense. And then she gets a text from Jameson. I got it, mystery girl, did you? She texts back, the sign off? Don't judge. The only line in that letter that wasn't a proverb. Jameson, does don't judge a book by its cover mean anything to you? Very good, Eris, it sure as hell does. The Hawthorne House Library had rows and rows and rows of books and they have multiple libraries that span multiple floors. It's gonna be a shit show. So they're standing in the first library, staring at each other, and Jameson says, my grandfather is rolling in his grave that it took me this long to see it. What exactly do you think we're looking for? What do you think, Avery? Another challenge. If the clue is a book by its cover, I guess we're looking for either a book or a cover that maybe is a mismatch. So you open the cover and the book is not the same as the cover. Yes, Eris, but there must be thousands of books in here. Given how long it is to look for a book that doesn't match its cover, it could take hours. Don't be ridiculous. It could take days. And they start working in silence. Most of the books were first editions signed by authors. Eventually, Avery was no longer even shocked the first time that she held a priceless, a priceless first edition copy in her hands. She was like a robot now, pulling the book off the shelf, taking the cover off to see if it matched. If it did, replacing the cover, putting it back on the shelf and continuing. Jameson, what if we were just wasting our time? Time is money, Eris, and you have plenty to waste. I met a girl at school, Thea. Thea isn't a girl. She's a whirlwind trapped in a hurricane, wrapped in steel. What did she say to you? She kept talking about the house and about all of you. And she said there was a girl that died here. Her name was Emily and she wasn't just a girl. Avery was sad for some reason. She heard his tone. I mean, it was clear. Emily mattered a lot to him and she still matters to him. Sorry for bringing it up. Sorry that she's gone. We should call it a night, you know? And Avery couldn't sleep that night. She found herself exploring the rooms one by one, just filled to the brim with musical instruments. And, you know, she was going through the violin and touching them ever so gingerly. And Grayson walked in. You should be careful. I'm not going to break anything. Be careful with Jameson. The last thing my brother needs is you and whatever this is. This? Me? Or the terms of your grandfather's will? My mother hasn't left her room in days. Xander nearly blew himself up today in school. Jameson is one bad idea from ruining his life and none of us can leave the estate without being hounded by the press. And you think that's my fault? You think I did that? Do you think I want to be stalked by paparazzi? Well, you want the money. How could you not, growing up the way that you did? Like you don't want the money, growing up the way that you did? And Grayson's like, you have no idea how ill-prepared you are for this world. Well, you don't know me. I will soon.
I will know everything about you. Whatever you're hiding, I will find it. Every last secret. Within days, I will have a report on every person in your life. Your father, your sister, your mother. Don't talk about my mother. All I'm saying is stay away from my family, Ms. Grams. Or what? What happened to Emily will happen to me? Grayson paused. Don't you dare say her name. <sighs> you don't last a month in this house. In fact, I would bet money that you're gone in a week. And she walked out. Avery realized that Emily didn't just mean something to Jameson, she meant something to Grayson. There was something in his reaction, there was something there. But she had other things to worry about. The next day, Drake is all over the fucking news, selling his story, being interviewed. You know, she, Avery was kind of a loner. She didn't have friends. I'm not saying she was a bad person. I just think that she was kind of desperate for attention. You know, she wanted to matter. You know, a girl like that, a rich old man, Let's just say she definitely had some daddy issues. Wow. Libby was crying tears, apologizing nonstop, getting ready to order some flour to bake her a hundred cookies. <laughs> then another interview popped up on the screen. Zara and Skye, perfectly put together, perfectly PR. Our father was a great man who valued family above all else. He was our hero. We will not allow him in death to become a victim. We are providing the press with the results of a genetic test that concludes that Avery Grams is not a result of infidelity on part of our father. Whatever else this girl may be, she is not a Hawthorne. We will be working with elder abuse specialists and the authorities to get to the bottom of this. Avery was pissed. I mean, Zara didn't say it, but she basically implied that Avery was a con woman who abused grandfather Tobias Hawthorne. So f***ing great, okay? She called Alyssa to put a plug in them. And Alyssa said, rest assured Avery, this will be shut down. What Zara and Skye don't know yet is that Tobias had a will prior to this one. One that he signed off on every single year for the past 20 years that had disinherited his family. So if this new will for whatever reason was null and void, which is impossible, the previous will would be in effect, and Zara and Sky would get even less. Their debts wouldn't even be paid for. And they have a lot of debts. Jeez. Everything would go to charity. What is going on? So Avery's question was, what the hell happened 20 years ago when you wrote that will? Mr. Hawthorne and his wife lost their son that summer, Toby. He was 19, the youngest of their children, and he went to one of the vacation homes, and there was a fire. Toby and three young other people died. But at the reading of the will, Skye said he disappeared. Between the fire and the storm that night, his remains were never definitively found. So Mr. Hawthorne never changed his will till last year, till you. Anyways, we have more pressing matters though. Libby's mother and Drake, we should consider a one-time payment along with an NDA to prevent them from talking to the press. Avery didn't agree. Libby's mom didn't deserve a single penny. She beat Libby every single day growing up, making her feel worthless. Libby always apologized to her mom after she was beat and covered in bruises as a child. And that's why she probably puts up with Drake now. And Alyssa says, and both of you have stylists coming soon to help you with your clothes. It'll help with the PR nightmare. Avery left to clear her head before Stylus arrived and she went bowling. When she was done with the game, a message popped up on the screen. Welcome to Hawthorne House, Avery Kylie Grams, exclamation. Who the hell programmed it? Who the hell knew that it was her playing? It was weird. So she goes back to the library to join Jameson to look at more books, but this time Grayson was there. Jameson says, Grayson, am I such a delicate flower of a brother that I need protection and constant supervision from, from what, her? So it would seem. What are you guys doing today? Oh, Eris and I are just following a hunch and wasting sinful amounts of time on what I'm sure you would consider nonsensical business. What hunch? They filled Grayson on on what they knew so far, and Jameson asked Grayson with eyes of steel. 
So what do you say, brother? One last game? And with that, all of them start going through the books. And Avery's mind wandered while rummaging through book after book, and she wondered if the two had always gotten along before Emily. Is that what happened? Why do they hate each other so much? And Grayson whispered to her, loud enough for her to hear, but Jameson can't hear. My brother's grieving. Surely you can understand that. He's a sensation seeker. Pain, fear, joy, doesn't matter. He's hurting and he needs the rush of the game. He needs something to mean something. And you don't think that it means something? I don't think that you have to be the villain of the story to be a threat. You keep talking about the rest of your family, but I'm not a threat to you. I'm not threatened by you. And Jameson interrupts them. He found a clue, okay? Inside a book, the tragical history of Dr. Faustus. Faust came up with the quote, the devil you know or the devil you don't know. And there is a bookmark, a red piece of glass. And Grayson interrupts. Acetate, our grandfather's favorite. If the book happens to be written in red, you can run the glass over it and all the red ink will disappear. And if there is a layer underneath that red ink that is not visible to the eye, it will show under the acetate. It'll be a hidden message. But the book is written in black ink. What's more is that Avery looked in through the book and certain words were circled. She went page by page, blood and adrenaline just pumping. And as she looked, she finally came out with a message. Where there is a, there is a way. They tried changing the order of the words, but it was pretty clear. The missing word was will. The acetate, the will. But the will was written in black ink, or at least the one that they know of. Wait, what? Can you go over that again? Yes. So she went through the book and found that certain words were circled. Mm -hmm. And it led to the message, where there is a, there is a way. The so saying there's a is, missing word, there's a will, there's a way. And the missing word is will, yes. but the will is written in black ink. So why would they need the red acetate? Nothing would yep. happen. Yep. Unless there is, and Avery says, hey guys, what do you think the chances are that somewhere there's a copy of your grandfather's will written in red ink? And Alyssa said there was. But before Avery could go look at it with the red acetate, she had to go to a stylist meeting, okay? It's, it's very busy. This is a massive escape room <laughs> yes. that they're playing. Yeah, even Libby is sitting there with, a, with an updated wardrobe. She's still in her gothic style fashion, but like now it's um, YSL, it's Celine instead of TJ Maxx. Still the same vibes, just make it Mew Mew, right? The stylist wanted to change Avery though. They envisioned, this is the words they kept using, classic, natural, preppy, but with an edge. And Avery kept rolling her eyes and she sat down and they said, you need to take this seriously. You're no longer just a girl. And the way that you dress and the way that you do your hair, it's not silly, it's not shallow. This, it's not just clothing, it's a message. You're not deciding what you wear. You're deciding what story you want your image to tell. Are you young and sweet? Will the press think that you dress to this world of wealth and wonder, you know, why you weren't born into it? Do you walk the line? Are you relatable? The same but different? She's rich. Who cares? Yeah. Like, she, don't, she doesn't well, impress anyone. I guess it's the whole Bill Gates thing, you know? But she don't care. She's yeah. not in the public eyes. Yeah, she's just rich and she's good. Yeah. I don't know, these people are Like, weird. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she could just what? literally go to a random island and live her rest exactly. of her life. Exactly, yeah. or just live as is. Yeah, but uh, they care. And they say, <laughs> because if you don't tell the story, someone else will tell it for you. Okay. And by the time that they're done, Avery didn't even recognize herself. Xander jokingly told her, you look fantastic. He's eating a scone. You also don't look like someone who might have seduced an old man out of billions, so that's pretty good. <laughs> he's my favorite. Me too. He's like the only... Is he very funny? Yeah, he's very, very funny in the book, yes. 
hilarious. So while that department was going, well, as well as you would expect, Zara starts being nice to Avery, as nice as Zara could be. And we find out it's because Zara and her husband Constantine, as well as Grayson, are the heads of the Hawthorne Foundation. They get paid an annual salary for their expertise in consulting, and the foundation is in charge of $100 million of donations every single year to give away. These funds have to be used well to make the most impact, and Zara was being nice so that she didn't get fired from the board since, you know, Avery owns it now. Avery was not evil. She didn't want to kick Zara out if she knew that Zara was trying to do something for the board, like trying to do good with the board, right? And um, in fact, they even scheduled a meeting at the foundation headquarters. This, this was something that Avery could be passionate about. You know, she always wanted to change the world. It sounds naive, yeah, of course, but who wouldn't want to if they could? But instead of Zara showing up for the meeting at the foundation, Grayson awaited her in the conference room. The whole foundation, by the way, from the moment that you step in, everywhere is covered with photos. Photos of people. And they look very artsy. Did you take those? Grayson nodded. My grandfather believed that you have to see the world in order to change it. He always said that I was the one with the eye. And as for the background check, would you prefer if I kept the results of my searches from you, or do you want to see him? He was holding two folders. Avery held her hand out and he passed her the first one. The first folder was from her entire family, Fly files on them. Nothing juicy, like everything she already knew. He got nothing out of the searches. And then the second one had her name on it and inside was a single piece of paper, empty. What is this? <clears throat> it's a list of every purchase that you've made since inheriting. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! He's a show-and-tell type of guy, huh? Yeah. He's a presentation, making an impact, <laughs> business proposal, boom. Things have been bought for you, but you've bought nothing on your own. Ah, yes. He was surprised that she wasn't a gold-digging con artist. Which, like, I don't know. She could still be a gold-digging con artist. Like, she just inherited, like, two days ago, guys. Calm down. Um, he, <laughs> he's like, I want to apologize for being protective. This family has suffered enough. If I were choosing between you and any one of them, I would choose them always and every single time. However, maybe I misjudged you a little bit. But because she hasn't bought anything in two days? I guess he thought that she genuinely was like a stupid little gold digger. Wow. Yeah, that would have gone to Chanel the minute that she got an inheritance. In immediately, she immediately. got $45 billion. And she she's won. like, classic flat bag has actually <laughs> increased in price. So, <laughs> And she says, you're wrong. You know, I did try to spend some money. A big chunk. I tried to give it to a friend of mine. What kind of friend? A boyfriend? No, a guy that I used to play chess with in the park. He lives in the park. Oh my god. <laughs> They're so great. You got a big heart. Homeless? My aunt is right. You're in desperate need of an education. And with that, Grayson starts teaching Avery the best way to focus on changing the world is not focusing on a single person without a home because giving money to individuals does little. And she doesn't agree with that. She says it does a lot for those individuals. Yeah, but you can no longer afford to concern yourself with the individual. With the resources that you have, Ms. Grams, you are now responsible for a lot more. And the rest of the meeting, you could see the passion that he had and she had for this, and it was a lot. And like, can you just imagine? Can you just imagine that like a nonprofit that you donate to is just like two 19-year-olds with sexual tension in the boardroom? Bro, <laughs> I would be so upset. I would be so upset. I'd be like, wait a minute, Tankaman. Tankaman, hold on. She's underage. She's underage, yes. Yeah, and he's 19. And he's, and he's like he's, a rich kid that had no trauma yet. Yeah, and he's lecturing her on how to save the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's a hundred 
A hundred yeah. million a year, you say, right? Yeah. A hundred million dollar in the elevator. Yeah. So hot. <laughs> so sexy, okay? <laughs> and the both of them are talking when Grayson's phone rings and he leaves the room and comes back and his face had dropped. Avery, that was Nash. It's about your sister. And the two rush to Oren's car where Alyssa is waiting. I thought you two said that you would take care of Drake. We did. We have a restraining order against him for you and your sister. Then why the hell is he at the gates of Hawthorne House right now? Thank God Livy was safely inside with Nash, but still, who knows what he was trying to do? The memory, the painful memory of Libby's only now just fading black eye triggered a fire in Avery. And Oren said, I could have him removed from the property. But Alyssa said, no, that would only trigger the press. Who's Nash? Nash is the oldest brother who ends up liking Libby. It's like a whole oh, thing. Oh, Yeah. It. And so Avery is like, the press? There weren't any at the foundation. I thought that they were backing off now. Has it not died down? Warren said, if I were a betting man, I would guess that Drake placed a few calls to ensure an audience. When they pull up at the house, Avery saw Drake putting on a show for the paparazzi, and Avery couldn't take it anymore. She said, stop the car. I'm getting out. I would advise you don't do that. I would advise you to stay in the vehicle. Grayson next to her whispered, Warren's right. You should stay. Don't go out there. And what would you do? What lengths would you go in order to protect your own family? And with that, she jumped out of the car, or in parked, jumped out after her, and he whispered, as your bodyguard, I think I'm inclined to tell you that Alyssa is going to kill you. And immediately the chaos erupts. Reporters are screaming, Avery, over here, Avery, come here, can we get a word, Avery? The lights were flashing in her eyes. She looked around and she remembered, don't just talk, sell the story, make them listen, come on. Chest high, shoulders tall. I know why Tobias Hawthorne changed his will. And the crowd went silent. I know why he chose me. And I am the only one that knows the truth. And if you ever run a single word about that pathetic excuse for a human being behind me ever again, I will make it my mission in life to ensure that never, you never ever find out the truth. So she's basically saying, if you ever publish another word about Drake or give him any press or any airtime, which is what's getting him off, she's never going to tell the press the truth. And so uh, she's making a deal, okay? And she just told the press that she had the answers to the questions that the whole world was asking. And it was a lie, but she sold it. And Oren was right. Alyssa was going to kill her, like really kill her. And in the kitchen, Libby was waiting with mascara, running down her cheeks, frantically icing cupcakes. Now she's watching her, concerned and amused. He couldn't pick an emotion. She was apologizing to Avery. And that broke her heart. After that meeting fiasco, Avery had another one to tend to with angry Alyssa, which is to go find the red will. And she got the whole, if you don't let me do my job, blah, 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 right? She got the whole lecture. She also mentioned how now they have to do some PR damage. But first, I was instructed to keep this copy of the red will and show it to you or the boys if they came looking. <laughs> instructed by Tobias Hawthorne? Naturally. And alone in the conference room, Avery took the red will in the same will, same words, same everything, but in red print, she grabbed the red acetate and pushed it along the words. And all the words started disappearing, except the middle names of the four brothers, Westbrook, Davenport, Winchester, and Blackwood. Wait, what? say that again, those words? It's Westbrook, Davenport, Winchester, Blackwood. These are their middle names. It's all two, what are those? What is that, Black? They sound like surnames. They sound like last names, but they're middle names. It was weird. So she wondered, huh. maybe they're the last names of the fathers? Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was weird. They, no boys there? No, no sons no, are there? Just she her? was just by herself. And what's fascinating is that all the boys took on the Hawthorne name, even though, you know, 
It was like they, you know, usually people take yeah. their dad's name, but it's very interesting. So it's how much did these boys know about their fathers or even their middle names? It's time to find out. So Avery rushed home to tell Jameson when she was stopped by Nash. He's like, whoa, kid, what's the rush? Do you know where the Estelarium is? I'm supposed to meet Jameson there. I don't even know what a solarium is, if I'm being honest. And Nash starts walking with her. Eh, they're overrated, but I'll show you. And as they're walking, he said, So tell me, kid, what do you usually do on your birthday? Eat cake. Every year on our birthdays, the old man would call us into a study and say the same three words. Invest, cultivate, create. He would each give us $10,000 on our birthday. Then we get to pick a talent or an interest to cultivate for a year. A language, a hobby, an art, a sport. No expenses were spared. If you picked piano, a grand piano would show up the next day. Private lessons to start immediately. And midway through the year, you would be backstage Carnegie Hall getting tips from the best of the best. <laughs> Well, that sounds amazing, no? The old man also laid out a challenge every year, an assignment, something we were expected to create by the next birthday. Something extraordinary. That doesn't sound that horrible. It doesn't, does it? Did Jameson tell you about the weekly riddles? Yeah. Sometimes at the beginning of the game, the old man would lay out a collection of objects, a fishing hook, a price tag, a glass ballerina, a knife, and by the time that the puzzle was solved, damned if you hadn't used all four. I was the older of the brothers, the oldest. Jamie and Gray would team up against me to beat me, and then at the end, they would double cross each other at the end. Why are you telling me this? You might think that you're playing the game, but that's not how Jamie sees it. That's not how Jamie, Jameson sees it. They call him Jamie. We aren't really normal, and this place isn't normal, and you're not a player, kid. You're the glass ballerina, or the knife, a tool to be used to solve the puzzle, but you're not playing the game. She doesn't need to play her stupid game. She won the game. <laughs> she, and with that, Avery walked into the solarium and came face to face with Jameson, who was drunk. And he said, Sky doesn't talk about her fathers. As far as she's concerned, it's like an Athena Zeus type of situation where hers and hers alone. She never told us the first thing about our fathers. Follow me. And he whisked Avery through another labyrinth of tunnels until they reached a wall where they crouched in the tunnel very, very close to each other, too close for comfort. And they reached a dead end and he was about to knock. Wait, are you confronting your mom right now? I don't need to be here for this. I need you to. I don't know why yet. But I'm the knife or the fishing hook or the glass ballerina or whatever. You've been talking to my brothers, Grayson, Xander? Are they wrong? Am I just a means to an end? Am I just a tool to fix this puzzle? No, you are the puzzle, mystery girl. You could tap out, decide you can live without the answers, or you could get them with me. Fine, let's get some answers. And with that, the door swings open straight into Skye's bathroom that looks like it was made for a Roman emperor, and she was in the bathtub, barely covered in bubbles. What? You said you were decent, mother. I'm covered in bubbles. Now, son, tell your mother what you need. What? I can wait outside. Oh, don't be prude, Abigail. We're all friends here, aren't we? I make it a policy to befriend everyone who steals my birthright. What? Cut it out, mother. I need to ask. My middle name, where did you get it? I'd be happy to answer your question, darling, just as soon as you give me a moment alone with your delightful little friend. And that's how Avery was completely alone with Skye. Skye was naked and barely covered in bubbles. It really wasn't ideal, but Skye broke the silence first. I forgive you, Avery. I didn't ask you to. You will, of course, continue to provide me a modest amount of financial support every year. And why would I give you anything? You'll support me because I'm their mother. What are your intentions with my son? Excuse me? 
You waltzed into my suite with my shirtless grieving son by your side. A mother has concerns, you know. And Jamie is special. He's brilliant. The way my father was. The way Toby was. Your brother? What happened to him? My father ruined him. Spoiled him. He was always meant to be the heir, you know. And once he was gone, it was just Zara and me. And then... And then you had the boys. Do you know why Jamie was my father's favorite? When by all rights it should have been perfect, dutiful Grayson. It wasn't because Jamie was brilliant or beautiful or charismatic. It was because he's hungry. He's looking for something. He's been looking for it since the day he was born. Grayson was born everything. Toby wasn't. And Jameson is just like him. Yeah, there's no one quite like him. You see? You're already his. He always wants to get lost. He always did. And he will. But that's all you are, just another way to get lost. That's all she was too. Emily? She was a beautiful girl, but she could have been ugly and they would have loved her the same. There was just something about her. Why are you telling me this? Because you are no Emily. And I didn't choose my son's middle names. My father did. So that's great. They hit another dead end. And that night, Jameson snuck back into Avery's room and took her out to the garage, staring at the row of cars, Bugattis and Aston Martins, like literally all the hyper, all the hyper cars that you could think of lined up. And he said, speed always helps you get out of your own way. You know, get out of your own head. And with that, the two of them sneak out of the property in an Aston Martin to a local racetrack that looked like it shouldn't be open because why is a local racetrack open at 3 a.m.? But the owners came to open it up for them. Wow. Avery should have been scared, but she wasn't. For the first time since the reading of the will, she felt free. And when they got back to reality, Oren was pissed. The photos, the drone footage was leaked. Paparazzi were camping out and had posted pictures of Jameson sneaking out in the middle of the night with Avery and the rumor mill was working overtime. Rumors of Avery dating a Hawthorne brother would only throw gasoline on the fire. <sighs> and then Oren gets in the car and drives Avery and Xander to school. Xander gets in. Need for speed? Oh, uh, that, no. Um, hey, I forgot to ask. Your brothers got the same letter from Tobias. Did they now? Yeah, Grayson and Jameson, they got the same thing. I know that you got it too. Maybe I did. But hypothetically, if I did, and if hypothetically I were playing this game and wanted just this once, just hypothetically I wanted to win, I'd want to do it my own way. And with that, they walk into science class. Who said that? Xander. Okay. So he's playing the game too. And there were only- When you say they're playing the game, is they trying to find out right now why the father gave money to her. Yeah, and they. I think a lot of the brothers think that at the end of the game, there's going to be a way to refute the will. And as they walked into science class, there were only two empty seats for lab day. One next to Thea, and another one next to the prettiest girl in the whole school with red hair, ghostly white pale skin. She had this mysterious allure and attraction, but she looked straight out of a fairy tale, but one where she died at the end. Like, she looked out of, like, a grim fairy tale. Oh. What's her story? How come nobody talks to her ever? Is she being outcasted or bullied? Xander says her story involves star-crossed love, fake dating, heartbreak, tragedy, twisted familial relations, and a hero for the ages. <sighs> Xander sat down next to Thea, meaning next to her was the only spot open for Avery. She sits down. I'm Avery. I'm Rebecca Lachlan. My parents work at the Hawthorne house. I know who you are. They were the ones that lived on the property. They were the ones that ran it, remember? The Lachlans? Oh. Yeah, and uh, Rebecca pulled out her iPad and on the cover of was a picture. Rebecca and another girl, same eyes. She was less beautiful than Rebecca, conventionally, but her hair was less red. It was more of like a strawberry blonde, but it was impossible to look at Rebecca when she was next to her. This girl had just this like magnetism. Is that your twin sister? She was, she died.
and Avery's ears went red. Emily? Yes. She would have been very interested to meet you. And Avery couldn't stop thinking about Emily from that point on. Her strawberry blonde hair, her green eyes. Anyway, worry not, as Avery didn't have time to dwell on that too long because she also found a picture, a map of the Hawthorne House estate, mainly the grounds, and in a section near the gates it was labeled the Blackwood and a bridge labeled Westbrook. The f***ing names. The middle names weren't surnames, they were places on the estate. When she got home, the secret door to her room opened once more and there was Jameson stepping out. I saw your little press conference about Drake. Yeah, less of a press conference as it was a bad idea. Have I ever told you I'm a sucker for bad ideas? What do you want? You lied to the press what you told them. It was a lie, right? Of course it was a lie. I don't know why your grandfather left me everything. Well, it's hard to tell you with you sometimes. You're not really an ex you're not exactly an open book. Ask me what I figured out about our middle names. You don't have to, Jameson. I solved it too. They're not just names, they're places. At least the first two are. The Blackwood, Westbrook. I'm not sure about the other two quite yet though. Good. Feel like going on a walk, Eris? And the two found themselves in the Blackwood. And Jameson starts narrating. The Blackwood is enormous. Finding anything in there will be impossible unless we know what we're looking for. The brook is easier. We'll go this way. The bridge is where my grandfather proposed to his wife, Westbrook. It's near Wayback Cottage, where the Lachlans live. Emily's grandparents? Xander told me that you had a little chat with Rebecca. No one at school talks to her. Correction, Rebecca doesn't talk to anyone at school. She hasn't for months. Rebecca was always the shy one, responsible one. Her parents expected her to make good decisions. And not Emily? Emily wanted to have fun. She had a congenital heart condition. Her parents were super protective. They never let her be a kid. When she was 13, she had a heart transplant and she decided from that moment on she wanted to live. Not survive, but she really wanted to live. Did you take her driving? There was nothing we didn't do. What wow. happened to her? Did she live at the cottage? Grayson happened to her. What do you mean? Let's play a game, Avery. I'll give you one truth about my life and two lies, and it's up to you to decide which one is which. Isn't it normally two truths and a lie? What's the fun in that? Fact the first. I knew what was in my grandfather's will long before you showed up here. Fact the second. I'm the one that sent Grayson to fetch you. Fact the third. I watched Emily Lachlan die. Avery didn't answer. He didn't expect her to, but the way that his throat had tightened when he said the last one, it was clear to her which one she would have guessed. But at this point, they were already at the bridge. So she's like trying to, you know, not make it awkward. They look up and down the bridge, even under the bridge, with Jameson dangerously dangling her off the edge. Listen, I don't know how Oren was like standing by watching this because he was walking through the woods with them. Like he's never not around her. If he had dropped her, maybe it wasn't a big drop. Maybe the water underneath was deep. I don't know. But it was a lot. Nothing. And while looking for more clues, feeling defeated, Jameson starts pacing and creak, creak, creak. The same wooden board creaked each time that he stepped on it. So they rushed over, got on all fours, and tried to open it up. After some nail breaking, they got it up. And there, carved onto the bottom of the surface of the wood, was the infinity symbol. Infinity? Or eight? It was hard for either of them to decide, and it was hard for either of them to fall asleep that night, because what the hell does that mean? But at least they're headed in the right direction, right? It really was starting to feel like a game now. The next morning before school, what? I just can't imagine a billionaire has that kind of time <laughs> yeah. to set up a whole game. Oh my god, but I love it, I love it. So far, I love it. This is probably one of the most- Elaborate? Yes, everything is so unexpected. Yeah, I like it. I really like it. I really it. liked yeah, it. It's 
Yeah, I like it. I like that it wasn't trying to be something it wasn't. Yeah. Some like YA thriller books are trying to be adult thrillers. Yeah. But this one was like, it knew it's YA book and it's, it killed it. Avery went to check up on Libby that night and found Nash was sleeping on her couch. Here's the thing about Nash. He loves to fix a broken woman. He is a savior. He thinks that they are his projects. So she tells Nash off secretly for treating her sister like she needs to be saved. And Avery gets into the car to head to school where Alyssa is waiting for her. And she's in the car. Make sure to leave your schedule open the next two weekends. This weekend is a pink ribbon fundraiser and the next weekend an NFL game. A game? You own the team. Hopefully these two outings will provide enough for the gossip mill for them to calm down, settle down. And before then, I'm gonna run you through some media training. Great. Life was not great. Wasn't it supposed to be like fun for a billionaire teenager? So at school, Thea comes up to her. You did a thing. I saw the pictures of you and Jameson. Do you really know why Tobias Hawthorne left you everything too? The whole school is talking about that too. The whole school can talk about whatever they want, Thea. You don't like me very much. That's okay. I'm a hyper-competitive bisexual perfectionist who likes to win, and I look like this. I'm not a stranger to being hated. <laughs> I don't hate you, Thea. Good, because we're gonna be spending a lot more time together. My parents are out of town, so my uncle and aunt will be taking care of me, and I will be taking up residence at Hawthorne House. I thought you didn't like Hawthorne House. Contrary to popular belief, Avery, I don't always do what I want. And besides, Emily was my best friend, and after everything happened last year, when it comes down to the charms of the Hawthorne brothers, I'm immune. Xander overheard the conversation, and he walked over and he said, if you are gonna go head to head with Thea, you need to be prepared. I'm not going head to head with anyone. It's cute if you think that. Dinner was awkward. In the formal dining room, Miss Lachlan had pulled out all the stops. It was clear even the staff liked Thea more than they liked Avery. And Zara broke the silence. Thea, how is field hockey? Undefeated this whole season. And the conversation led to Thea being vindictive and the Hawthorne boys smirked. And she said, if I were a boy, people would just call me driven. Constantine, her uncle, stepped in. Thea, please, no feminism at the dinner table. And Skye broke the silence to lift her glass. A toast, if we will, to Avery. And every person in the room got the message now. There was no good in challenging the will, and although Avery was the enemy, she was also the one with the money. Jameson, to you, Eris. Jameson chimed, and Thea stood to add. And to Emily. May she rest in peace. What the? And the reaction was swift. Jameson left the table. Grayson looked like he had seen a ghost. Constantine, Thea's uncle, Zara's husband, was not pleased. And later after dinner, Grayson gave Avery a final warning. If you were smart, you would stay away from Jameson, from the game, from me. This family, we destroy everything we touch. Back to the clues. Westbrook was crossed off from the bridge. You know, they got the infinity sign or the eight. So now Blackwood was left. And Avery was walking through the forest with Jameson. The two of them were quiet. Do you know how many trees four acres can hold, Eris? 200 in a, in a healthy forest. And in Blackwood? At least twice that. I've been marking each tree as I check. And the two of them quietly got to work checking tree by tree. When there was nothing on the tree, they would put a piece of tape on there. We aren't the only ones looking for clues, you know. I saw Grayson with a map of the woods earlier today. And Thea. Thea's been chasing me down. I can't get away from her unless she's messing with Xander. Yeah, Thea holds a grudge. They dated, and when they broke up, it was ugly. Oh. They dated? Thea's practically your cousin. Constantine is Zara's second husband. The marriage is pretty recent, and Xander's always been a fan of loopholes. Oh. <laughs> 
Jameson, wait, stop. There's something here. And carved into a tree, there were the small capital letters, Tobias Hawthorne II. And before they could understand what that meant, Jameson yelled, get down, and a boom, a deafening echo, and bark went flying, and Jameson tackled Avery to the ground. Then another shot rang out, and Avery's ears were ringing, her ears were hot, but she knew what was going on. She felt pain in her chest. She heard the noise. Someone had shot her. After the the second shot rang out, the pain was searing through her body, and she heard Oren's voice, and she asked, did they shoot me? Orin quickly assessed her wounds. The assailant didn't shoot you at all. You got hit by a couple of pieces of bark. The other cuts are just a scratch, but the bark's lodged deep into your chest. We'll leave it here until you're ready to be stitched up. You're lucky. A couple inches to the right and we would be removing a bullet, not bark. Whoever fired this is long gone. And he's talking to this all in the walkie-talkie to his security staff too. And for once, Jameson sounded worried. What do you mean? What the hell happened here, Orin? What happened is someone saw the two of you out here and decided that you were an easy target and pulled their trigger. Twice. Wait, this is not their private... It is. It is. So you know what that means. Someone's from inside the house is yeah. trying to kill her. With that, the three were rushed to Wayback Cottage on ATVs, where the Lachlans let them in. Orin had cleared them, but he would recheck that they were good and that their alibis were good. Avery knew what that meant. She was taken to Wayback Cottage. Orin trusted the Lachlans more than he trusted the Hawthorns. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what that meant. They had no way to get a medic on site without drawing attention, and with Avery's permission, Orin removed the pieces of bark and stitched her up. She felt everything. The Lachlans went from hating her to having some sympathy for her, and all it took was for Avery to get shot, so that's great, that's fantastic. And after being stitched up, Avery went to the bathroom to clean up the blood. But in the bathroom, I mean, the room is spinning, she feels like she can't do anything, she's frozen in front of the mirror. I think the full effect of what had just happened, how close she was to losing her life, had hit her. She didn't even realize someone had entered the bathroom and turned on the water. It's okay, Iris, I got you. I'm fine. You're a horrible liar. And he helped her wash her face and chest with a washcloth that he was taking all the blood away. And there was a nasty scar on her face. I'm okay. Yeah, you're gonna be better than okay. And in that moment, Avery knew that she shouldn't, but she just wanted to feel something other than anger and pain and fear. She wanted to feel something good. So she like, you know, they're gonna make out. Yeah, they made out. Ah! This is Jameson, right? Yeah, the third brother. And then he pulled away to say, I always knew you were special. And for once, Avery believed it. She had been been wallpaper for so long. And now someone was paying attention to her, real attention. And she smiled. And Jameson said, we're so close now. I can feel it. Someone obviously didn't want us looking at that tree. What? What? She thought when he said that she was special, he wasn't talking about the money or the game. But he was. You think someone was shooting at us because of the tree, not the fortune that I inherited that your family wants to get their hands on? Think about Toby's name carved onto the tree, infinity carved onto the bridge. What if the puzzle is telling us that my uncle isn't dead? Avery was shocked. That's what you're thinking about when someone is shooting at us? When you're cleaning my wounds and the words from Nash come rushing back to her. You're not a player, kid. You're the glass ballerina or the knife. Will you listen to yourself? Orin just pulled a chunk of wood out of my chest. It could have been a bullet. What happens to the money if I die while the will is in probate? Do they all know? Do you know? That if I die, everything goes to charity? Not everything's a game, Jameson. That's the thing, though, Eris. If Emily taught me anything, it's that everything is a game. Especially this. Avery choked back tears while exiting the bathroom, and the last person she wanted to run into was Rebecca. My grandmother wanted me to check up on you. I'm okay, thanks. She said that you were shot. 
I was shot at. I'm glad. We, I meant, I'm glad that you weren't shot. It's good, right? Getting shot at instead of shot. I, sorry. I feel like I should warn you. About what? I'm supposed to say that my sister was wonderful, and she was when she wanted to be. Her smile was contagious and her laugh was worse. When she said something, everyone thought it was a good idea. People believed her. She was always so good to me. Well, most of the time. But she wasn't nearly as good to those boys. What did she do? Em didn't like to choose. She wanted everything more than I wanted anything. And the one time I wanted something, Look, my job is to keep my sister happy, or well, it was. That's what my parents used to tell me when we were little because Emily was so sick. So I should do what I could to make her smile. And the boys, they made her smile. She dated both of them, did they know? Not at first. What happened when they found out? You're only asking that because you didn't know Emily. She didn't want to choose. And when they found out, neither of them wanted to let her go. So she turned it into a competition, a little game. How did she die? Grayson told me it was her heart. The room spun again, and it wasn't till Rebecca was gone that Avery realized she didn't tell her what she was warning her about in the first place. On the way back to Hawthorne House, Oren let Avery know. Due in part to Hawthorne House's extensive network of security cameras, my team was able to track and verify locations and alibis for all members of the Hawthorne family, as well as Miss Thea. What, what about Constantine? He's clear. He did not personally wield the gun. The implication was clear. So you're saying he might have hired someone? Avery realized that they all might have. I know a forensic investigator, he works alongside an equally skilled hacker. They're gonna take a deep dive into everyone's finances and cell phone records. And in the meantime, my team is going to focus on the staff. The Lachlans are clear and we will make sure that Rebecca is as well. When they get to the house, Alyssa was there. Alyssa is the only one right now that I will let through those gates and she's been cleared. And Avery was pissed. You guys both acted like I was being ridiculous when I mentioned that I would be murdered here. And at this point, Jameson was like, all right, Eris, I'm going to go inside. So she's alone with her attorney and her security guard. And Alyssa says, technically, Miss Grams, you specified axe murder. And technically, it is possible that there was an oversight. And Alyssa informed Avery that the people that would most likely try to kill her are not the Hawthorns. They would have nothing to gain. It was her own heirs. I don't have any heirs. Libby? Libby is clear. She was with Nash during the shooting. But Orrin continued the bad news. The gun that was used to shoot you was probably from the Hawthorne collection. Um, they have an armory. The room that holds the massive collection had two visitors recently, Grayson and Jameson. But both of them have alibis. They were both looking at rifles, though. An armory? There's an armory in here and you didn't tell me that? This is Texas. The whole family grew up shooting. Mr. Hawthorne was a collector. A gun collector? He has the world's largest collection of late 19th and early 20th century Winchester rifles. Bing Winchester. Avery stopped. Winchester is Grayson's middle name, or is Jameson's middle name. So she insisted Orrin take her to the armory, which needed a face scan to get in, and it's also used as a panic room, okay? It's, it's, you would not expect it. It looks more like a country club. Like you, I was thinking it's gonna be like those Marvel steel case rooms with the guns on the side. It was like plush velvet lining on the walls with like expensive rug on the floor and like a bunch of rifles. And with that, she starts rummaging through the Winchester rifles with Oren's help and he made sure that none of them were loaded, but he told her to treat them like they all were. And then she found in one was carved O-N-E, one. Meaning the infinity symbol on the bridge was most likely a one, an eight. And now she's getting a one from this. So 81, 18, 8.1, 1.8, a number. Fascinating. 
And that curiosity lasted till she was in the shower and the realization that she was almost killed hit her and she sobbed and crawled into bed with Libby. Oren told her not to tell anyone what happened. Keeping it unknown to the family would help him investigate further because someone snuck someone into the house most likely. Someone snuck someone through those gates. But Avery didn't want to tell Libby, not because she thought Libby was guilty, but she just didn't want her to worry. But Libby held her while she cried and she had a dream that night. It was a dream of a real memory. Avery was at a diner making a castle out of sugar packets. Her mom worked at the diner. And her mom said, Avery Kylie Grams, what have I told you about building castles out of sugar? It's only worth it if I can go five stories tall. And with that, Avery woke up. And she saw Libby's phone buzzing on the counter. Text from Drake. I love you. You know I love you, Libby. And I know that you love me. The next morning during breakfast, Thea confronted Avery. Don't play innocent. Rebecca called me. I know what happened last night. Avery was confused and she glanced at Oren. You and Jameson? In the bathroom together? The kiss? The kiss. Xander interrupted. Word of Hawthorne hookups travel pretty fast. I heard about it too. Bex called me. Avery tried to ignore her and take a tray for food, but her arm flinched. You're hurt. Xander is saying, you're hurt. I'm fine. You most definitely are not fine. And behind her, Grayson asked for a moment. A moment in the hall, Miss Grams? And she follows him out into the hall with Oren close by, and he says, you're injured. What happened? Please, tell me. I was shot at, okay? And he's like, when? Where? And he looks at Oren and he's like, where the hell were you? Oren says, not nearly as close as I will be from now on. And Grayson just looks really upset, which is confusing because she's like, why the f*** are you upset? You wanted me dead from the get-go. And you even told me multiple times that you would choose your family members over me any day. And one of your family members most likely just tried to kill me. And all of this was just too much, okay? <sighs> like, Grayson is hot and cold. He's like, I'm gonna protect my family, you gold-digging little s***. And then he's like, I'm gonna protect you. I can't believe you were shot at. Bro, Avery can't do this anymore, okay? She was shot at, she deserved to skip school today. That's all she knew. She felt guilty, but that's it. She couldn't help but wonder if maybe her own sister was involved. <sighs> okay, Libby would have the most to gain, but Libby would never shoot her. Libby would never even want to hurt her. But what if Drake sweet-talked his way into getting all this information and sweet-talked his way to get Libby to sneak him onto the property and she had no idea that he had tried to shoot her? Because with Avery gone, Libby would get all the money and Libby would never be able to say no. She would give him everything. Wow, imagine, can you imagine Bro. if uh, Drake gets $45 billion? Bro, literally. So anyway, she had to stop thinking about that. Instead, the last middle name was left, Xander's, Davenport. Avery looked it up and the only Davenport she could find that was universally used was a desk. It was called a Davenport desk. And the house had so many rooms, how on earth would you find a freaking desk in here? So to keep Libby busy and away from Drake, from texting Drake, they together walk from room to room with Oren closely following behind, looking for a desk. They even visited the steam room and sauna where they found a half-clothed Sky Hawthorne again. And uh, she knew about the shooting from last night. She said, my Grayson told me. So great, 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 okay? And now with Sky bringing it up, Libby knew about the shooting and it led to this whole confrontation about Drake. She's like, why didn't you tell me about the shooting? And Avery said, well, he's been texting you. I didn't text him back. But you also haven't blocked Drake. You could have just blocked him. Or asked Alyssa for a new phone or reported him for violating the restraining order. I don't want a new phone. All my friends have this number and dad has this number. Dad? Did dad call you? He just wanted to check in on us, you know? No. He just wants money. Just like Drake and just like your mom. 
Yikes, low blow. Tell me you haven't seen Drake, that he hasn't come here, that you wouldn't let him onto the estate. Uh, of course I didn't. I can't believe you would even think that I... I'm gonna go. Oh my gosh, she's so sus, huh? But for the record, I'm still your legal guardian, and the next time someone tries to shoot you, I want to know. And with that, it was just Avery and Oren tailing closely behind, looking for a Davenport desk. No luck until she ran in, into Nash, okay? You were right about your grandfather's game, Nash. Usually I am. The closer you are to the end, the worse it'll get. Avery knew that the next logical step was to stop playing, but she had always wanted to win something. Since the beginning, since the first game of chess she ever played, and with that, Nash helped her to a closed-off wing of the house. It was Toby's wing, their uncle's wing. It was walled off after Toby died, but it was also the boys' play wing. They had an arcade in there and other things, and you guessed it, a library. So she went into the library, and Oren had cleared it first, so she's alone in the library, and he's outside the door, and there was no desk. So she's looking around, and Nash had gone too. She's completely alone, and she starts kind of feeling like a breeze almost, coming from a small crack in the wall. And she remembered traps upon traps, riddles upon riddles, and finally she found her first secret passage. She pulled at one of the bookshelves, and it slowly swung open, and she knew that she should probably go get Oren, but she didn't, okay? She just decided she was gonna go down. She opened the door, and there was a twisting staircase down. And she reached the end, and there, there it was, a room with just a desk. A Davenport desk. Wow, you gotta be kidding me. Are and you kidding Grayson me? was sitting on it. What? Miss Grahams, have you found it yet? The Davenport clue? I was waiting. For what? Jameson, I suppose. It's not like Jamie to miss the obvious, whatever this game is. It's about us, the four of us, and our names were the clues. And of course, we would find something here. This was our wing. We grew up here. So at the bottom of the staircase, you know? Do you know who shot at me? No. And the two have this intense moment where Grayson asks to see her wound and touches the stitches on her chest. And the, it's like really weird, okay? And then the two have a go at the desk. And well, mainly, Grayson watches Avery. It's almost like he has the answer, but he just wants to see if she can find the answer. And she finds a hidden compartment, and there was a tiny little keychain, a tiny p plastic keychain in the shape of a number one. So now they have the numbers 811-181-118. I don't know. That night, Avery slept in Libby's room again and had a dream about her mom, and she could hear a voice. I have a secret. It's her mom's voice. Care to make a guess, my newly 15-year-old daughter? Avery was in bed. I never guess these right. Mom, just 30 more minutes. I'm so tired. I'll give you a hint since it's your birthday. Fine. Give me a hint, Mom. I have a secret about the day that you were born. And with that, Avery wakes up. It's her birthday. Alyssa was pulling the curtains open. If you recall, you will be attending the charity gala this evening, but first shopping and then media training. We need to make sure that you look your best. I will meet you in the car in 15. And with that, Avery was forced out of the bed, and when she waltzed out to the car, for some reason, Theo was in the car, literally refused to exit the vehicle. She insisted if they're going shopping, she's gotta go. And they go down downtown to this grand boutique that was closed down for them. The paparazzi are swarming the outside, and Thea insists that Avery get an emerald green dress to match her green eyes. My eyes are hazel, Thea. But Alyssa was like, green does look good on you. So a green expensive gown it was, and on the way back, they get into a huge car accident. It was terrifying, a very public attempt at Avery's life. This was no accident, someone had tried to run them off the road, okay? Police were already on standby because, you know, this is a billionaire that is getting a lot of press. So they immediately caught the person in the car. 
Oren had orchestrated this whole thing. The reason that they had gone shopping, they had called the paps, they had done everything to lure out whoever it was that was probably trying to kill her. Because mm. this was her chance that she was out of the estate for once. And um, it was Drake. It was Drake. It was Drake. And Drake in was the, in the, in the, oh yeah. my God. And uh, they found a rifle in his trunk that matched the bullets and the police will want to talk to Libby. Even though Avery knew why, she couldn't help it. Why did the police want to talk to my sister? Warren said, if Drake was the shooter, someone would have had to sneak him onto the estate. No, Livy wouldn't. And with that, Alyssa put her hand on Avery's shoulder. If something were to happen to you, even without a will, your sister and father are your heirs. Avery was pissed when she got back home. Libby had been taken by the police and Avery demanded a lawyer to be sent to represent her. But it was clear the implication to the public, to even everyone around her, was that Libby and Drake wanted to be the heirs and they were willing to kill her own half-sister to do it. But Avery couldn't believe it. The only reason she even agreed to continue with this and do a media consultant media training was because she had to go to the gala to make sure the public knew that she stood by Libby and she refused to believe her own sister would have her killed. The media strategist was a lot more intense than the stylist and today Avery was going to say, I'm grateful to be alive and I'm grateful to be here tonight. She keeps practicing. Please try to sound like a real person when you say it. I am a real person. Not to the rest of the world, Avery. You are a spectacle. She practiced it until she got it right, and the consultant told her, but next time let it hurt a little. What? Show them that you're vulnerable, that you're just an ordinary girl, just like them. That's the trick. How real, how vulnerable you seem without actually ever being vulnerable at all. Now, let's play a game. I'm gonna ask you questions, and there's only one thing you must absolutely master before you go to the gala tonight. What's that? You're not going to answer any of the questions. Not with words, not with your face, not at all. Unless and until you get a question that you can in some way answer with the key message we've already practiced. And she started firing away. Avery, is it true that your mother had a long-standing sexual liaison with Tobias Hawthorne? Did you stage today's attack? How is your relationship with the Hawthorne family? What are you going to do with the money? How do you respond to everyone calling you a thief? Is it true your sister is dating the man that tried to kill you? Was she involved in the attempt to end your life? She failed all those questions. She got really emotional, okay? And after that, a team of fairy stylists came in to get her glam ready for the gala. They already had a picture that Thea provided Alyssa and Alyssa gave to them. And it was a beautiful braid. Like, not a normal braid, but those, like, intricate braids where she had hair framing her face. It was incredible. She looked beautiful. And while she was getting ready, Libby came back, mascara dripping down her face, apologizing for not blocking Drake. And Avery noted she wasn't apologizing for aiding and abetting. And for some reason, that gave Avery relief. Libby also blended her, b blended her phone, literally put it in a blender and blended it. And she said, I should have just blocked him. Wait, so she never let no. Drake into the... Yeah. What? What does that mean? The billion dollar question remains. If Drake had shot at Avery and Libby hadn't let him onto the estate, who had? Ah. And on the way to the gala, Oren told Avery, that Drake was with the police and implicating himself and Libby in the case. He was claiming that Libby was the mastermind, but that didn't make any sense because there was no security footage of him entering the estate. So that meant that someone led him through the tunnels. And she's like, the tunnels? <laughs> yeah, okay, so there are underground tunnels off the property. Oren knew of two of them, but that didn't mean there weren't more. Are you freaking kidding me? 
Anyway, there is no way Libby would have any idea of where these tunnels were, so Libby was not the one that did it. Either way, it was time to be rich and the gala first before she could even worry about all of that. And as she walked down the gala steps, everyone hushed and stared. Grayson waited for her at the bottom of the steps and he looked like he was frozen. For a moment, Avery thought that she had taken his breath away. <sighs> but he dropped his glass and it shattered everywhere. And he looked at her and he said, what are you doing? What? I don't get what you're saying. The hair, the necklace, that dress. Avery ran to the bathroom because she knew what was going on. Thea. Uh. Thea was already in there waiting for her. You look nice. In fact, I think you look perfect, Avery. What did you do, Thea? And Thea shoved her phone in front of Avery's face. And there was Emily wearing a similar emerald necklace with a similar emerald colored dress and hair done exactly the same. What did you do? It's what Emily would have wanted. If that's any consolation, I didn't do this to you. She was doing it to the boys. She wanted to wow. hurt them. The Hawthorns didn't kill the boys. Rebecca said it was her heart. And what makes you so sure they're not trying to kill you? Thea, there is something fundamentally wrong with you. Yeah, well, I told you that the Hawthorne family was a twisted, broken mess. I never said that I wasn't one too. And with that, she walked out. And Alyssa had no clue what was going on. But when she found out, she resolved to take care of Thea. And for the braid, it took seven people to put it in. There was no way that it was coming down in the bathroom, even with Alyssa's help. So they awkwardly sat down for dinner, Grayson next to her, refusing to look at her. And she whispers, I didn't do this on purpose. Yeah, of course not. I would take out the braid myself if I could. I know. And after dinner, Avery wanted to get some fresh air. She went to the other part of the Waldorf Museums to look at paintings, and she found Jameson staring at a painting. It was loaned by Tobias Hawthorne to the museum, called Cezanne's Four Brothers. And he said, I know you found the Davenport, Eris. You beat me to it. So did Grayson. I'm done now, though. With you, with whatever this is. I'm just a tool for everyone in this stupid, sick, twisted puzzle, and I'm just over it. And with that, she turned to walk away. But he said, I don't care that you're wearing Emily's braid. I don't care because I don't care about Emily anymore. I broke up with her that night. I got tired of her little games and I told her I was done. And a few hours later, she died. I'm sorry. Come with me to Blackwood, to the trees, to get the last clue. I don't want to do it alone. And in that moment, Grayson walked in and it was tense before Jameson walked out. So the two brothers looked at each other, had a tense moment, and then Jameson walked out. And now, with just alone with Grayson, he said, what did he say when he saw you? That he broke up with Emily the night that she died? Did he tell you that I killed her? What? So they had to rejoin the party before Avery could get more information. And Xander whisked Avery away for one dance before she left. And he said, don't you want to give the press something to talk about? Quick, act like I'm the most impressive person ever. Fascinating. And she's trying, but she's still thinking about that. Okay, maybe this helps. Every year, my grandfather gave me money to spend to invest. And they're dancing. Waltzing. And I spent it all on cryptocurrency. I sold my holdings before grandfather died for almost $100 million. You what? Fascinating, huh? Not even my brothers know. What did your brothers invest in? No idea. We weren't allowed to discuss it. And he spun her around while bringing her closer. The press was going crazy. And she said, they're going to think we're dating. As it so happens, I excel at fake dating. Thea, I thought you guys dated for real. It was Emily's idea for me to date Thea. She didn't know that Thea was already with someone else. And you agreed to put on a show for Emily? I didn't do it for Thea. I did it for Rebecca. What? So Emily is Rebecca's sister. Thea yeah. is Emily's best friend. And Rebecca 
and Thea were dating, and Emily didn't know. Rebecca and Thea were dating? So Emily's best friend and her sister were dating, and Emily didn't know, so Emily was like, hey, best friend, I'm gonna hook you up with the youngest Hawthorne brother. Uh-huh. And she's like so pushy that she just like went with it. And Xander said, yeah, they're deeply in love. The best friend and the younger sister. What was I supposed to do? Emily was possessive. Rebecca just wanted something for herself for once. Were Rebecca and Thea right? Did Emily find out? Was she understanding? Em found out the night that she died. She saw it as a betrayal. I solved the Blackwood, by the way. You solved the Blackwood? I could win this, you know? But Jameson and Grayson need it more. Head back to Hawthorne House. There will be a helicopter waiting for you when you get there. Have the pilot fly over the Blackwood. A helicopter? Where you go, they will follow. I thought you wanted to win. I do. And sure enough, when she got to Hawthorne House, there was a helicopter. And Jameson was already inside and Grayson was walking up towards it. She was sandwiched in between them while Orin took off in the air. And when they flew over Blackwood, they found that the trees looked like a long, skinny... O, or was it a zero? So the number is 8110. When they get off the helicopter, Jameson was his normal excited self again. He's like, we did it, Eris. Four middle names, four numbers, 8110. Is it like a combination, maybe? Grayson said, there are at least a dozen safes in this house. Maybe it's an address, coordinates. Maybe we have to rearrange the letters, not necessarily how we found them. Wait, it could be a date. If we rearrange the letters, it's either November 8th, August 11th, January 18th, or October 18th. And in her head, her mom's voice rang out, I have a secret about your birthday. And she starts getting excited, but Jameson looked pissed. Wait, guys, I was born October 18th, and my mother, and Jameson interrupted her, this isn't about your mother. Maybe my mother passed and your father sometime during my birth had known, or maybe, maybe she did something for him while she was pregnant with me. Stop. The numbers are not a date. Yes, they are. It's not. Grayson held Avery back, but she was confused. Why? And he told her, Emily died on October 18th a year ago. And Jameson said, that's sick son of a bitch. All this, the clues, the will, her, all of this, this message. (sighs) Screw this, I'm done. What? Where are you going? And with that, he turned around and said, Congratulations, Eris. I guess you had the good fortune of being born on the right day. Mystery solved. And with that, Avery had never felt more insignificant in her life. So they're saying the whole thing led to the day that Emily died, and the brothers think that the grandfather is punishing them, not giving them inheritance because, I don't know, they let a girl get in between them? It was weird. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, Avery didn't understand. Why did Tobias apologize to her? What was he saying sorry for? Was it sorry that he randomly dragged her into all this mess? I mean, it was just so confusing, right? There was no way. How many people were born on that day? So many people. Why her? Grayson tried to make her feel better, but it only made both of them more miserable. He talked about that night. I should have known that the day that the will was read, it was because of me, all of this. What are you talking about? How is this because of you? I killed Emily. If it weren't for me, she wouldn't have been there. She wouldn't have jumped. Jumped? Where? And what does this have to do with the will? Maybe I was meant to tell you. Maybe this is my penance. We'd always known her. She was the granddaughter of the Lachlans. She would visit all the time. And they were just so different from all of us. Mother said it was because they were girls, but I thought Emily was special. She was a force of nature. She wasn't allowed to run in the woods with us, so she would sit there and have us bring her things from the woods. It was like a tradition. She would send us on a hunt, and whoever found what she requested, or the more unusual hard to thing to find, the better. And they would win the game. What, what would you win? 
we're brothers, we don't have to win anything in particular, we just wanted to win. And then she got a heart transplant, and she said after that she just wanted to live. When Emily was 16, our grandfather paid for both of their private educations, and she moved into the cottage with her grandparents. And she was everything. She had the entire school eating out of her hand. Maybe it was her fault, or maybe it was our fault, but she was just M. She was too smart, too beautiful, too good at getting what she wanted. She had no fear, and she wanted you and Jameson, and she didn't want to choose. She turned it into a game, and God help us, we played. I want to say that we played because we loved her, that it was her, but I don't know if that's true. There's nothing more Hawthorne than winning. The thing is, she didn't just want us, she wanted what we could give her. Money? Experiences, thrills, race cars, motorcycles, exotic trips, parties, adrenaline, the rush. We would do it all for her. And that night I got a call from her late at night. She said she was done with Jameson, that she wanted me, and that she wanted to celebrate at Devil's Gate, a cliff overlooking the gulf. One of the most famous cliff diving locations in the world. I knew it was a bad idea. How bad? I went to the lower cliffs and she kept climbing and climbing past the danger signs, the warnings, and I didn't realize until later that she had lied about choosing me. We shouldn't have been there at all. So cliff diving killed her. I don't know. She was fine when she hit the water. I went to go grab our towels and when I got back, she was dead on the shoreline. I think her heart gave out. You didn't kill her then. The adrenaline, the altitude, the change in pressure. Jameson would have never taken her there. But I did. And at her funeral, grandfather told me, family first. What happened to her wouldn't have happened if I put family first. If I refused to play along, if I had chosen my brother over her. And I guess this is what that's about, the day Emily died. Your birthday. It's my grandfather's way of confirming what I already knew all along. It was all because of me. Okay, so both the brothers think that it's all because of them. It's giving complex, okay? But it's fine. That night, Avery goes into her room sulking because she had never felt worse. I mean, how many people had the same birthday as her? She wanted to believe that she was special. She was here because of a reason, that she was someone. It's not because she was born on a lucky day. I mean, it was just kind of sick. And as she's retreating back to her wings, she's staring at the portrait of Tobias. And she sees that it's signed Tobias Hawthorne, the 18th, 10, 18, like XXVIII, 10, 18. That's uh -huh. her birthday. Yeah. This is a clue. So she reaches behind the frame and finds it, a button, and a, the portrait swings open, revealing a keypad, and she entered in 1018, and a beep, and a step below her opened, revealing a small compartment, and there was a stained glass, purple little glass ball, almost kind of like an ornament for a Christmas tree. It's like never ending. Yeah, and etched on the panel, another clue. Top of the clock, meet me at high, tell the late day hello, wish the morning goodbye, a twist and a flip, what do you see? Take them two at a time, come find me. The next day, Avery tried to look for Jameson and Grayson, but neither of them wanted anything to do with her. Even when she told them that she had found another clue, they both told her they don't want to play anymore. They know what's going on. Grandpa's messing with them because they killed Emily. Get over yourselves, losers. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. When Avery got stuck on the newest clue, Xander came in to help. He remembered seeing something similar to the ornament in the great room where the will was read. The stained glass window had the same design. And it was almost noon. They guessed through the little poem that the light would shine on a particular wooden beam on the ground at noon. But it was getting close, so they started down on all fours, trying to see if one of them would pop up, and sure enough, it did. And underneath a small dial, and they twisted it, and I know it sounds crazy, but the floor started sinking. And when it stopped, Xander and Avery were no longer in the great room, they were underneath it. And in front of them was a set of stairs, an entrance to a tunnel. I'm guessing these are one of the tunnels that Orin doesn't know about. 
The tunnels weren't opulent like you would imagine. They looked kind of like clean sewer systems without the smell or dirt. Kind of like the tiled walls, you know what I'm talking about? Um, giant metal pipes, gas lights to light the place in a very yellow hue. It was impossible to even grasp how far down they were. And from there, they found a door-to-door -door room, but there was like a face scanner and four little handprint scanners on the corners of the door. So they need four brothers? <laughs> Xander, Xander's face didn't work, so it required Avery's face and the four brothers' palms. Oh my god. Yeah, so Xander said he would rush up to get them, leaving Avery all alone in the creepy tunnel, and she thought that she heard a noise. Xander? But instead, a figure appeared next to her, female, pale. Rebecca? What are you doing down here? Something about her look seemed a little unsettled, unhinged. Where were you the night of the shooting? You don't know what it's like to have your entire life revolve around one person, and then you wake up one day and that person is gone. It's my fault, you know. Emily was taking huge risks. I told her parents and they grounded her, forbade her from seeing the brothers, but Em had her ways. You were secretly dating Thea at the time, right? Emily found out that afternoon and she was angry. As soon as she got me alone, she told me that Thea and I weren't in love. If Thea really loved me, she wouldn't ever pretend to be with Xander. Emily said she told me that Thea loved her more and she could prove it. She asked Thea to cover for her about the cliff diving that night. And I told Thea, don't let Emily go. She shouldn't go, it's dangerous. But Thea said we owed it to her. We needed to do this for her. You know the Devil's Gate? Even professionals won't die from there. That much adrenaline, that much cortisol, that change in altitude and pressure, with her heart, is bad. Thea chose Emily over me. She refused to tell my parents the truth. So I decided to go to Jameson. He said that she was asking him to take her there. And to stop him from taking her, I let him listen to a secret audio recording I had of Emily talking. She used to tell me everything the boys did for her and how she liked to keep score. I played it for him and I told myself that it was to protect my sister, but I think that I was mad. She had taken Thea away from me. So Jameson broke up with her because of the audio recording because you let him listen to it. If he hadn't broken up with her, maybe she wouldn't feel the need to push things so much with Grayson. Maybe she wouldn't have gone to the cliffs. Maybe she wouldn't have jumped. Maybe I would have been okay. I'm sorry. Sorry for what? And Avery's heart started racing. So sorry for what? Were you about to do something? It's not that I have anything against you, but it's what Emily would have wanted. She would have hated you for stealing their money. She would have hated you for the way they look at you. So you decided to get rid of me for Emily? No. But you knew about the tunnels and you somehow told Drake. No, Avery, I would never do that. I'm not, I'm not Emily. Then what are you apologizing for? Mr. Hawthorne told me about the tunnels when I was young. He showed me the entrances and said I deserved something that was just mine, a secret. I came down here all the time. The night of the shooting, I saw someone else in the tunnels and I didn't say anything and I should have. But Emily didn't want me to say anything. She wouldn't have wanted me to. Well, what did you see? Drake? He wasn't alone. Who was he with? One, one of the boys? Their mother. I should have told someone. And behind her, Grayson's sharp voice. How much he heard is hard to say. Yeah, you should have told someone. It was your mother. I couldn't. You could have told me. I would have taken care of it, Bex. You know, Rebecca, Drake tried again. You know that, right? He tried to run us off the road. He could have killed me, Alyssa, Orin, and Thea. And Grayson tried to soften the blow. Emily's gone, Rebecca. I'm gonna take care of this, I promise you. Everything is gonna be fine. Go. And with that, Rebecca scurried off and Grayson and Avery came to the hesitant conclusion that Grayson would handle his mother instead of Avery going to the police about it. Which she was really kind of upset about, but it was his mother, what could she say? And he said, Avery, you have my word. I won't let anyone hurt you ever again. You have my word. 
And while they're having an intimate moment, footsteps. Nash, Xander, everyone but Jameson. And they wait and wait, and finally he comes down, puts his hand on the panel, and the door clicks open, and as they're about to open it, he starts heading for the stairs. And she's like, wait, no, don't leave. And it's like this whole thing, and he's like, I gotta go. Like, I don't wanna see what's in there. I already know the old man laid this out for me, and Grayson's like, it was for me. <sighs> when you were reading that, what are you guessing behind the wall is? I don't know. Like, the right? answers to everything. Right, it's like... I was thinking I maybe the grandfather's like sitting on this, like you mother took so long. <laughs> I'm so bored. Give me my money back. <laughs> so you're saying it's not grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Grayson is trying to tell Jameson, don't feel the guilt because it was my fault. I'm the one that took Emily there. I knew it was a bad idea, but I didn't care. I just wanted to win. I wanted her to love me. Yeah, well, I followed you that night. I saw you both jump. What? You followed us? Why? Masochism? I don't know. I was pissed. Eventually, re you ran off to get the towels and... Jamie, what did you do? She saw me and she smiled. She thought that she won. She thought that she still had me. And I walked to turn away and she called my name and I didn't stop and I heard her gasp. She was making these little strangling sounds and I thought she was playing with me. I heard a splash. I thought she was pretending to drown so that I would jump in and save her and she would know that I was wrapped around her finger. I made it probably a hundred yards, and I looked over, and um, she collapsed and stayed still. And then you came back and I left. And I hated you for taking her there, but I hate myself more because I let her die. I stood there and I watched. It was her heart you couldn't have. I could have tried CPR or something, but I didn't. I don't know how the old man knew, but he cornered me a few days later, and he wanted to make sure that I never forgot. Xander sighed. <sighs> That's not what this is about. What are you saying, Alexander? The two of you are walking around like ghosts. Grayson was like a robot. Jamie was a ticking time bomb. You guys hated each other. We hated ourselves more, Xander. The old man knew that he was sick. He told me right before he died. He asked me to do something for him. And everyone was like, what? Oh my God. You had to make sure we played. It was my job to make sure you saw this to the end, both of you. If, you, if either of you stopped playing, it was my job to draw you back into the game. You knew? All this time you knew the clues? And it suddenly made sense because he was helping Avery throughout. He was the one that told her about Blackwood, the helicopter, even the middle names. Even Tobias's middle name. Wait, Xander, if you knew, do you know why he chose me? No, I only knew what he wanted me to know. I have no idea what's on the other side of the door. I was only supposed to get everyone here together. Yeah, well, not just the four of us. Clearly, it was a game for five. And with that, they walk in through the room, and it's like an empty closet. The only thing inside was a small wooden box, and the letters on the box spelled out Avery Kylie Grams. They're like tiles, like giant Scrabble tiles. And inside are some letters for each one of them. The next step Nash noticed was, it, it's an anagram. Rearrange the letters of your name. And it slowly clicked, and she saw it all at once. You've got to be kidding me. Her name spelled out a very risky gamble. Avery Kylie Grams, a very risky gamble. Xander said, he kept saying that. No matter what he planned, it might not work because it was a very risky gamble. Then they opened up their letters. Avery was expecting some answers finally, but instead all she got was a packet of sugar and it came flooding back to her. The memory, she was creating a packet of sugar castle, you know what I'm talking about? Her mom was like, Avery Kylie Grams, what did I say about making sugar castles? And an old man sitting in the booth next to her had turned around and asked, how old are you? Six? 
I have grandsons at home who are just about your age. Tell me, Avery, can you spell your name, your full name, just like your mom had said a minute ago? Avery spelled Avery Kylie Grams. And she wondered how the old man rearranged her letters in her name right then and there. The boys uh -huh. knew he loved anagrams. He loved it. Grayson said, yeah, he would have kept track of you. He's Are you freaking kidding me? Nobody gets crazier. A little girl with a funny little name. He must have known your birth date. And after Emily died, he must have thought of you and decided to leave the entire fortune to you. So he changed the will once Emily died. But because of my name, that's insane. You said it so yourself, Eris. He didn't disinherit us for you. We weren't the ones getting the money anyway. Yeah, he's going to charity and you're telling me on a whim that he decided to wipe out a will that he had signed for 20 years. That's... He needed to get our attention. Something so unexpected, so bewildering, that we would see it as a puzzle. Something we couldn't ignore. Something to wake us up again. Something to bring us here. And Nash whispered to her, I told you, kid, you're not a player. You're the glass ballerina or the knife. She refused to believe that. That night, in her wing of the house, she sat on the desk in Tobias's old room, asking, Tobias, there's gotta be more. And then she remembered every desk in this house had a secret compartment. So she ran her hands along and finally she found a latch and clicked it. In there was a folder with her name written on the top. A birth certificate of hers with the date of her birth and her father's signature was circled. Why would he circle her dad's signature? It didn't make sense. And then the rest of the pictures were from her since she was six years old. And when she turned 16, the amount of pictures went up significantly. There was a lot. Someone was watching her every move. Avery wasn't just a date and named him. There were shots of her running poker games in the parking lot, a picture of her with Libby, a picture of her and Harry grabbing breakfast sandwiches after playing chess. The photographer had caught her daydreaming in her car with those postcards. Tobias knew everything about her. She was a risky gamble. Sure, she wasn't a player, but she was a piece of the puzzle. But the billionaire knew that she was capable of playing. He had not entered this blindly and had just hoped for the best. So the next morning, she's thinking about all of this and she's watching movers come pick up stuff. Sky had been kicked out of the house by Grayson. Mm. And she was shocked. And she said, I thought you would choose your family over me any day. And he said, I will always protect you. You deserve to feel safe in your own home and I will help you with the foundation and I'll teach you what you need to know to take this life that you have now. I find that very unrealistic, yeah. kicking and out your own mom for a girl that just swooped uh -huh. in and took all the money two weeks yeah. ago. And he said, but this, us, we can't happen. Avery, I see the way that Jameson looks at you. And the rest was implied. Grayson would never let another woman come between him and his brother ever again. Not like Emily. Not ever. So he like definitely loves her. Wait, who loves who? Grayson loves Avery and Jameson loves Avery, but Grayson, Grayson is, is like- pulling himself out. I can't do it. Okay. And Avery runs into Nan, who is Tobias's mother-in-law. So she's like this old lady, like a hundred years old, okay? She's like never part of the story because she's that old. Well, she just showed up now? No, she's been living there. She got money, but- yeah, she's an old lady, okay? She's just like a ghost of the mansion. Yeah, she's like a feisty little ghost, right? Great-grandma. So the great-grandma to the boys, and she's sitting at the old piano. Are you okay, Avery? You don't look okay. Yes, Nan, I'm great. I hear my granddaughter is leaving. She uh, tried to kill me. Skye never liked getting her hands dirty herself. If you ask me, if you're going to kill someone, at least have the decency to do it yourself and do it right. But people aren't decent these days. No respect. No self-respect, no grit. If my poor Alice could see her children now, AKA Zara and Skye and Toby, not the Hawthorne brothers. Your son-in-law changed his will after Toby died. 
Toby was a good boy, till he wasn't. He was the sweetest kid, smart as wit, just like his daddy. They used to say that, but that boy had a dose of me. What happened to him? Broke our hearts, all of us. That's what happened. Look at the sweet boy. He's, he's 15 here. She took out a locket and opened it. Avery crouched down, and it felt like the breath had been knocked out of her. That's Toby? He's a good boy. And tears started prickling in her eyes. He was much younger in the picture. Much younger. But that face was unmistakable. And Jameson's voice snapped her out of it. He came up from behind. Eris? Toby. I know him. I know Toby. You what? My uncle? I used to play chess with him in the park every morning. Harry. Nan said that's impossible. Toby's been dead for 20 years. Are you sure, Eris? And now Grayson joined. Are you absolutely sure? I'm sure, I'm sure. Meanwhile, in another room, Xander reread his letter from the secret room. You know how they all got letters? Mm -hmm. He read it over and over again. His grandfather had promised when he was done with the puzzle, after leading the boys to it, he would get a puzzle of his own to prove himself. A puzzle. That's what he wanted. But his letter read, Alexander, well done. Signed, Tobias Hawthorne. That's it. Until he finally discovered the hidden message inside. And he was looking down at it. It read, find Tobias Hawthorne the second. The end. The uncle is alive. It's the man without a home that she was playing chess with in the park. Yeah, he was, he, he saw Avery Kiley Graham's tractor because she had a very unique name. And he was probably in that town because he was tracking Harry. Harry ran away? Yeah, Wait, Toby ran away. Toby went, why? I, we don't know. So there is like um, 10 pages of chapter 2 that was in like the, the little sneak peek of the end of this one because that's the next of the trilogy. So basically, it's Jameson being like, Wait, tell me the first time that you two played chess together. It was right after my mother's funeral. A few days, maybe a week. My mom and I used to go for walks in that park. She called it the strolling around aimlessly game. A few days after her funeral, I went to the park without her for the first time. And when I got near the pond, I saw a crowd gathered. A man was laying on the sidewalk, eyes closed, covered in tattered blankets. People thought he was dead or passed out drunk. And then he sat up and I saw a police officer making his way through the crowd. He was gonna get arrested. But you got to the man first and you asked him to play chess. Exactly. We played every week after that. Sometimes twice a week, three times, five times. He never told me more than his name. It couldn't be a coincidence that Tobias Hawthorne had left his fortune to a stranger who knew his, quote, dead son. Are you sure it was Toby? I'm sure. Toby's alive, and if your grandfather knew that, and that's a big if, but if he did know that, we have to assume he chose me because I knew Toby, or he somehow masterminded bringing us together in the first place. What if the day in the park wasn't the first time you met my uncle? Think about it, Eris. You said that one time my grandfather met you, you were six, he saw you in the diner where your mother was a waitress, he heard your full name. Why was my grandfather a Texas billionaire with a yeah. whole host of private chefs on call, eating at a hole-in-the-wall diner in a small Connecticut town that nobody has ever even heard yes, of? Yes, exactly. You think he was looking for something? Or someone? What if the old man went out there looking for Toby and he found you instead? And everything else is a distraction? My name, the fact that Emily died on the, my birthday, the puzzle your grandfather left us, it's just all a lie? A misdirection. My grandfather was a man with four dimensions. He might have had more than one reason for choosing you. Why kill two birds with one stone, he always said, when you can kill 12? The end. Wait, so what, the, what did we find out? Like, what, like... So we found out that Toby is alive. And that's kind of it. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> it's a whirlwind. We still don't know why she chose her. You gotta read book number two and three linked in the description. This is a scam. <laughs> scam. I will say out of all the trilogies I've read, this is like the most... Wait, what just happened? But it doesn't feel like that. Like sometimes when I read books that I know are just setting up too much atmosphere, I can tell that it's a slow burn. This did not feel like a slow burn. Yeah. I feel like while I'm reading it, it feels like so much happened. Yeah. And then at the end, I'm like, wait, I found out nothing. I still yeah, have the I mean, same questions. I think it's giving you some answers. Yes. Like you found out, oh, there's something going on. Why she died. You know, what's going on between the sisters and who's dating yeah. who and all of that. But it still didn't give you the final answer. Yeah, it didn't. Oh, but I do know that it is turning into a show, I think, on Amazon or something. But that's mm. what they always say. That's my biggest qualm about this industry is that people will buy books. They'll buy, buy the rights to the books. They'll have a whole press thing about it. Like, oh my god, Amazon Studios just bought the rights to this book. And then it never gets produced. And then you're like, why? I just really want to see it on screen. I just feel like the atmosphere, people say it's Maybe like Maybe you could do it. Like, <laughs> people say it's like a knives out type of um, vibe, oh, but younger. Yes, 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 yes. I just feel like it would be so cool to see all the secret passageways. Just even the ambiance of the house. The characters that they choose. Wow. Yeah, and also tell me why when they were talking about Rebecca, tell me why I'm literally envisioning, because like I like to envision like actors and people that fit the thing because I like to just envision it. She's got red hair, super pale, looks like a little fairy. I was like, Kennedy Walsh. <laughs> Literally, she was in my head the whole time I'm envisioning this. Yeah, but um, they better make it into a show. I'll be very pissed. That's the end. Go look at book two and book three. This is for once a book that I have not even a clue. Yes. Usually, like, some of the books, like, I'm two-third in, or yeah. I already kind of guessed what's going on. But this yeah. one, wow. Even now, after the fiend of book <laughs> yeah. one, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's very long Bacon and Mystery, Bacon and Murder, and I will see you guys next Monday for the... I was going to say for the mini-sode, but these things are so long. For the next one. Bye. Love you. <laughs>